Welcome to Board Game Box Office, Table Knots podcast about board games, movies, and all the space in between. I'm Max. And Doolin take a sip of his drink as soon as oh, he's supposed to say, I'm Doolin. Never, this is going never, super well. Wait a second, never. <laughs> wait. It's never, never do I have to say it. Do it again. Throw it to me. This is new. Uh, Doolin, it is new, but I sent the Google Doc out. <laughs> and I'm Doolin. Why is... <laughs> oh, no. Oh, welcome to the oh. welcome to the show, Sam. Uh, that was great. I'm Max. I'm Doolin. I'm Max. Oh my God! <laughs> Today we are not worthy. We're joined by board game royalty Sam from Lord of the Board. Happy to have you on the show, Sam. I'm so happy to be here, dude. So freaking happy. It should be a good show. You've actually chosen the featured topic for us today. Yes. Uh, we're going to be talking about some fantasy board games as well as The Green Knight, directed by David Lowry. But before we get into that. Let's talk about the games we've been playing and the movies we've been watching. Doolin, start us off today. Yes. So I played a game. I actually introduced this to our crew. We got it sent by Button Shy to us called Skulls of Sedlick, which I've yet to play solo. Uh, I don't. I think we have to have an expansion for that, so we might not even be able. We to We have do it that. here now, Mackie. Oh, we do. We got it from Mackie. We oh, Mackie. Yes. Mackie. Shout out to you, man. Uh, but I well, brought Kenny this. Bought it. <laughs> I brought this and talk about like so before the podcast, we were talking about how Kenny is fascinated by mundane things. And um, I taught this game from memory and Kenny was like, wow, Doolin, like you're so good at remembering the rules to this game. And I like I, and it was so nice. He was so genuine and so kind. And I told Max later that I was like this close to roasting Kenny and just being like, yeah, and you can't even get it right when you have the rules in front of you. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> Uh, Skulls of Sedlik is a game about digging up graves and building a mausoleum, I think. I think that's the theme. Uh, but really, it's a simple drafting and uh, placement game, trying to build uh, combinations of uh, different types of skulls that will score you points. Uh, you get basic peasants that will score you one point each for each one that you have. But if they are underneath on the mausoleum uh, royalty, then the royalty will score bonus points because they are worth more and they, they need to be placed higher than the peasants. Uh, the peasants need to be below them. And then you also have priests and thieves, and the thieves want to be next to the priest because they want redemption in the afterlife, and the priests want... I forget what they want. I get it now. I didn't understand that. Do you understand like the sense. thematics of the it? The priests yeah, yeah, yeah. want to be on every single level yes, of the mausoleum. Yes, they just want to be, <laughs> they want to spread their joy everywhere. And then the lovers, the lovers want to be beside each other and they score five points if they are. And it's really just, um, six. I, would you call it like placement set collection? Yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a good little game though. It comes in 18 cards and you can play two to three players and apparently now one player and we'll, we'll try yeah. it at one. There's also like six expansions for it too, mm. which I think they basically tell you just to use one expansion at a time. But looking on Board Game Geek, it seems like a lot of people throw in two or three and just have bigger mausoleums for a, a more expansive game. Mm. But yeah, what'd you think about this one, Dylan? I really liked it. I uh, this is the third or fourth game in a row from Button Shy that I've really enjoyed, and uh, I don't think it's my favorite uh, from them, but I would say that it's at least probably top three or four well you you have to share your favorite now i honestly right now my favorite's revolver noir i love revolver noir mm, yeah and it, it just fun. plays like a little uh 1v1 call of duty game <laughs> it's a game of really cat cool. and cat yeah cat and cat <laughs> yeah uh, Nobody's I, I, the mouse I heard it kid. described by another person as um 
spy versus spy the board game which mm. uh mm-hmm. is i think is fitting yeah so that is fitting but what did you think of it kenny um I, well number one that that rules compliment was genuine so <laughs> um, my feelings are hurt it was really sweet too yeah kenny. i really appreciate yeah, it i'm just impressed you got a good memory you got it. You got it. I taught it to Danielle after never looking at the rule book, just going off the one play that I played. Did she compliment you? No. Wow. <laughs> wow. She rarely does. I'll send a text to Danielle of how disappointed we are. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I cannot believe you didn't compliment Max on that. <laughs> just sad, dude. It is. He, just it is. Sad. He, he knew that game from memory, Danielle. Just underappreciated <laughs> husband. Uh, anyway, uh, schools of stuff. I really liked it. Uh, I thought it was really clever and. You know, it's simple to pick up. Like I've I've played a few but not shy games and like that was like a game that like just instantly I was like, Oh, I can see why this is easy to play and why this is fun. And it's really approachable and just uh I mean like really like bright, vibrant art. Um yeah. I think I thought it was very, very good. It was like mm-hmm. the first button shy game I was like, Oh wow, this is something special, you know. Yeah. Oh wow, okay. Mm-hmm. I I mean you way. you left that and bought like how many? <laughs> A well, lot, one hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> worth of button shine. I bought it for us, for us. So. For us I appreciate. Yeah. It. yeah, yeah. I got to pay you back. You know, yeah, we still have to figure out how that's being divvied up. Uh, I'm with <laughs> you though, Kenny. I I really liked Skulls of Said. Like, I've not played the solo expansion yet, though. We do have it in the pile. Uh, in fact, divvying up Sol- Skulls of Said like might be our most challenging feat yet because initially I was like, I'm fine with just the base game. And having played it, I'm like, nah, like I got to have at least like a little something extra because this <laughs> game's really good. It's really fun. Uh, I've actually never played any button shies. I, I genuinely think until 2024. Now, if I'm wrong, maybe I've played a button shy or two in the past. Oh, Rage More. I've played Rage More before 2024. But other than that, uh, recently I've played uh, uh, Revolver Noir, Skulls of Sedlick, Ancient Realms, and the other one about the little fairy tales. Uh, they are like really impressing me i've never been on the button shy train i've never been a solo gamer and uh the the fairy tale one and especially ancient realms is like so thinky very different from skulls of sedlick which i think is quite thinky but pretty simple um whereas ancient realms really burns the brain but yeah skulls of sedlick's fantastic i played it with danielle she liked it it was was a good time so uh i'm very happy to have some button shy games in my collection now but we'll just have to see what the expansions do for us and try the solo mode as well, which I have not yet done. Sam, you don't have any button shies. Is that because I, you like big games only? No, here's the thing. I do I do definitely prefer bigger games because I'm a weirdo. And for some reason, whenever I'm playing games, I like to like get involved with it. Like I like to role play a little bit. And for me, shorter I'm games, it's harder for me to be able to get into the role playing. So typically, I'm not as into shorter games. And, you know, just... I hope Jeff hears this from Foster the Meeple because he always <laughs> gives me shit about not liking lighter games. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, there's actually a genuine reason. And it's not that I don't like them. It's that, that I would prefer to be playing something else. <laughs> See, I get a lot of shit from Jeff and everyone else, actually, literally everyone, because I have like my own definition uh, called coffee table games. There we go. Which what I classify is like a game that really doesn't like engage the brain much. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of something you're just playing without really thinking too much. Sure. And although they can be fun sometimes, they're certainly low on my priority list. It sounds like we might agree on. Yeah, I think we I think we agree on this because that's the thing is like I love. uh, So the the three button shy games that I have played are uh, Revolver Noir, which was super fun. 
Um, and I would say that that one I actually really did get into because it, it feels very intense when you're like up against only one other person. Mm-hmm. It feels mm-hmm. like you're actually like hunting them down a little bit or like tracking them. And that was really, really fun. Um, the other one was, I, I actually forgot the exact name of it, but it was something stew. Um, and you're like putting all these no ingredients into a pot and you're trying to like score the pot, but there's like things that cause negative points, things that cause positive points. And I think it's that just called stew. It's stew. It's stew. Okay. Yeah, that, got that, it. that game was, that game was super, super fun. Um, and then, uh, another one that I have is smoke and mirrors, which is just basically, uh, bluffing or if you've ever played the mm. card game um bs it's the basically that mm. but 10 times harder so uh i i enjoyed all those games so i i can't say i'm a hater i'll, I'll say Fair that enough. i i enjoyed those games but if i'm gonna sit down to play a game it's like well no i don't want to play those i'd rather play like you know voidfall <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I will say for us too like these have been really good at filling that like last little bit of time when yeah. we finish our game night a little early and we're like well we don't want to leave yet let's uh let's play this game uh that and high society has been mm. like our hits <laughs> lately cool. for, yeah for that's those. that's that's definitely like something i need to be aware of too of like it's great for like filling in time for sure yeah 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 but there's this one button shy that someone in our discord's actually selling and i, I kind of wanted to buy it just <laughs> just off of novelty alone i don't know if you've ever heard of it it's called i guess this is it have it, has anyone heard of that one yet? No. There's so many of them. I didn't yeah, know there were so like one a freaking month, many. I did not know this. Yeah. Guess what, Max? I you own that. it, Kenny? I bought that. You did? <laughs> <laughs> Hell yes. Let's go. We're on a quest to play all the Blend Shy games. See, okay, Kenny, this is interesting to me, though, because this seems like uh, the antithesis of a U game. Did you oh, look no. into it at all? No, I just saw Blend Shy. I was like, oh, there's okay. like 20 bucks. All right, hear me, out. <laughs> hear me out, Kenny. Yeah. This is it's a role playing game. Mm-hmm. It's a two player game of saying goodbye. Where like you're basically drawing cards that are like t- you're you're basically supposed to tell each other like memories and like share it, I, it's very interesting where it's like supposed to create an emotional response essentially. Yeah. Like it's supposed to be two people role playing back and forth about like this deep connection that they once had that is now being severed for one reason or another. Very interesting to try like once or twice, but this seems like the opposite of a kitty right. game. All right. Here's the thing. We're going to play this, but the first time we play it, we're going to record it. And first, it's gonna, time. first time. We're not going to yeah. like even through the teach, like we're going to record it because I okay. want to, I want to, I want everyone to see Kenny's face as he slowly is defeated by this game. <laughs> he's like, Wait, why did I buy this? I, I do like role-playing, though. So, I, I don't know. I'm a, I, I guess you I, do, but you always yeah. say you don't. I don't. What I, is that? I don't like fucking charades. That's, that's you don't like charades? Like. Yeah. Don't why not? Like you don't like charades. voices either. Voices? I like voices. What are you talking about? What? We, we tried to do, to do the bug voices for Kabuto Sumo, and you're <laughs> oh, like, no, thank you. I don't want any part of this. Well, I, I did. Well, I did break out like a good dwarven voice the other day. So mm, I still true. want to have like a dumb voice on um, committed to YouTube. You know what I mean? Mm. Oh, no, that's the best life. time. That's yeah. That's why we do this. <laughs> I miss. I miss that memo. <sighs> you guys yeah. need to play okay. more yeah. epic spell wars. It shows. You know, never played no. it. Oh, that way you can get your crazy voices out in a I, I, rules I mechanical video, way. <laughs> it's I, I want to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's wonderful. It's so good. <laughs> I, love I knew it. about that before his video. Dude, I'm bragging <laughs> over here. All right, no. I, listen. I'm just trying to show Sam that I watch his content. All right, so, speaking um, of Sam, before you tell you. us, 
about what you've been doing, I have a question for you. Yes. Sam doesn't know the questions. I have a D20 in front of me and 20 questions in front of me. And we're just going to roll the D20 and see what happens. And we're going to ask him a question. The first time I rolled a number two, what is your Chipotle order, Sam? Oh, yes. Mm. All right. I don't like Chipotle. <laughs> So, oh yeah. Uh, okay. I'm uh, with you. Uh, but Do you I like mean, Qdoba? Yes, I like Qdoba better. Yes. But let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Team Qdoba. What's going on here? So Kenny's a Chipotle lover oh. and a Qdoba hater. I'm not a Chipotle lover. I just Qdoba. That's I fair. said I like Qdoba more than Chipotle, and he said that is the most Kentucky thing you have no, ever no. said. Well, so, he's not from here. I'm, I'm from he's Seattle. From yeah, I'm from yeah. Seattle. Yeah. So. It wasn't Qdoba, it's queso. Qdoba and queso. But that's, uh, that's, that's from my young. But yeah, you're anti-queso, Kenny. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if I got if I got Chipotle, I'd probably get just like a burrito bowl. Because yeah. that's what I get from Qdoba. Same. So Same. that's probably my are, order. So me and Sam are team burrito bowl. Is anyone here pro burrito over burrito bowl? No. No, I'm team, I'm team burrito bowl. Yeah, oh. burrito bowls are the way to there's go so much, for sure. There's so much better to eat. Like, there's yeah. just easier for me at least. But yeah, hundred percent. All right, Sam, what have you been playing or watching lately? I recently watched Wonka. Have you guys? How many of you have watched this? First off, everyone but Doolin. Oh, I've seen the first one. Okay, well, <laughs> <All right. we're, laughs> have you seen the Johnny Depp one? Yeah. Oh, so gross. this is this is the this is the like sort of prequel to the original one so that would be Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory not Charlie and the Chocolate Factory called Wonka but anyways this has um Timothy Chalamet in it um mm-hmm. it's by the same director as Paddington 1 and mm-hmm. 2 um I was very very interested in it because of that because I think Paddington 2 is one of my favorite like family movies it's we just so here. freaking well crafted. It's one of the best movies of all time. It's so good. I know. It's it's so wholesome and beautiful and heartwarming and it just like makes you feel great after you're done watching it. So I was kind of going into Wonka with that kind of same excitement, but also I was going in a little bit apprehensive only because I am a huge lover of like the original Wonka. And I'm always of the mind of like, hey, you know, if I'm going to go in and watch something like this is a new interpretation, it's not going to replace the previous version. But I'm still like a little worried that like, you know, they might say something stupid that might like genuinely ruin the the movie that it's kind of like connected to. I will say like for me at least, this movie worked so so well. Um I think that Timothy Timothy did like a phenomenal job having the characteristics of Gene Wilder without trying too hard but also kind of bringing his own spin in it. And I think that's exactly what they needed was something that was similar in mannerism, but different enough to where I could get involved with this like new younger version of the character. Um, and they have a lot of the original music. So that's great with like pure imagination. That's super nostalgic for me to have that like little motif play every single time a character is talking about their dream is beautiful when you get to like the original movie that he's singing it inside the factory. Cause he's now kind of like, fulfilled his dream kind of awesome guys i'm just saying like super good, super good. good catch yeah i really really enjoyed it i thought it was very beautiful and the music was good so like what's not to like honestly <laughs> I, it, I didn't love it as much as you did i really liked it yeah, yeah. i did I, I really liked it i liked it quite a lot mm-hmm. um i thought timothy chalamet did a great job um i i didn't think it was like a perfect fit like i feel like i don't i'm not Timothy did a good job, but I still kind of feel like maybe he was just not the right person for it. But mm. I don't have a, a suggestion as to who would be better. So like I'm not 
not saying he was bad by any means, but I struggle with like looking at Wonka 2023 and the years past as a prequel before the original Wonka. And I'm like, how did he go from this to that? Like huh. what happened to him in between these two movies? Because in the original Wonka, he's like, uh, like kind of like an antagonist almost. <laughs> like, And he's just in the, in the prequel, he's just like such a good, happy go lucky person. And it's just interesting. I'm, I don't know. I think I'm hearing he was we very need a good. Wonka two then. Yeah, you're yeah. Like everything I think goes downhill. so. Yeah, I sure. think I think that's sure. genuinely what I could see them actually doing with it is making kind of that in between period. I see. I see like where they were kind of going with it, but I think they definitely made his overall tone more uh, positive. Whereas yeah. Roald Dahl's work in general is very dark. Like he has a lot He's of like jaded. really weird, jaded, dark stuff in all of his works. And I think um, there was some missed opportunity with that. I think it definitely could come from like his mother dying and like, you know, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. I think they've they've got like the perfect framework to work in some stuff in like a part yeah. two. Um, it felt like I mean, I, I guess it did feel like they threw enough stuff at him that he could come out of it jaded. But like he just didn't. At least we weren't shown that. Yeah, we weren't um, shown so, like, it yet. I don't think we had internally. Enough time. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe internally he is feeling the ramifications of the chocolate whatever it's called council and yeah. all the people that have wronged him the but, capitalist um, chocolate guys yeah. <laughs> dylan i'm really shocked you haven't seen this movie yet what's what's stopping you from checking it out it's it's 100 because i don't really go to the movies unless mm. uh we don't get invited for a no don't say that event. <laughs> don't say that how many times have i invited too uh. many Never a successful. Yeah, but you call invite. me when you're like on the way to the movies, and you're like, no, "Hey, you want to come and hang out?" <laughs> no, I do not. I'm like, well, I'm literally at dinner with Emily, but okay. <laughs> that is an egregious lie, Kenny. How do you feel about Wonka? Um, I I was okay on it. I think I I had really low expectations because I the promotional material, like the previews and stuff. The previews were, were, were not rough, good, right? Yeah, I just it was not great. Um, but I do, I did come out of it pretty, I, I really enjoyed it. I took my daughter to see it and she loved it. So that mm-hmm. was a really good experience. Um, yeah, I took all three, well, not all three, three of my oldest ones <laughs> to, to the you, theater. You know, it's hard, it's hard to lose counts. I don't blame you. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was, I thought it was like, I thought it was a little inconsistent, right? There are some points in the movie that just like really, really magical. Like, I think like the... Kind of like when she they get the balloon and they're like singing and like kind of dancing mm-hmm. on the rooftops. I thought that was just like a perfect moment. That's probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Um, some parts, but I, th- I think it's just some parts just didn't really hit. Um, and I think Timothy Timothy Chalamet did a lot better than I thought he did, uh, given off the previews. But I think like there's just some points where it felt weird or just a little forced or awkward, I guess. Um, but I do think like he did a pretty good job overall. Um, you know, but again, I have really low expectations. Mm-hmm. Um. I liked it, Noodle a lot. I thought she was good. Yeah, yeah. She, she was I was going to say that I agree with that just really quick. The the Noodle song in particular that you're referring to was probably one of my favorite scenes of the whole thing. Because yeah. I was like, wow, yeah. we're like in the middle of this movie and I'm like already super invested in the Noodle mm-hmm. character. I thought that was so sweet. <laughs> and like some of the weird things that just happen that you're like oh that's happening like he's just milking a giraffe in one scene yeah. and i was like yeah. oh no he's just like still milking it, it yeah. i was like what that's awesome what's happening uh, how it's she great. Get milk, you know yeah. um yeah I, I but i liked it overall and I, I i mean it's, it's really hard to compare it to like the gene wilder movie just because like there's just like so i've watched it a couple times recently it's just it's still so good and i think uh, i love the, the original charlie the william wonka just because it is like 
not afraid to be dark. And like this movie wasn't really dark. It was pretty light and uplifting. And if they do like go down the road of making more Wonka movies, I'd be curious to see if like how they kind of progress the story along. Cause I think there's definitely room to do that kind of stuff. So without getting into spoilers, I think they, they send it some dark places, but it never fully yeah. reaches that dark place. If that makes sense. He's, well, there's he's always just, an out. Uh, um, he's just such an optimist at everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think the environment uh, you... is what's more dark in this one because there's like a lot of things like Scrabbits is a really dark concept if you yeah, think about true. it. Yeah. And like yeah, the capitalist true. chocolatiers is a really dark concept as well in a way. And then like also the blackmailing with chocolate. No spoilers, but that's also just like, a oh shoot, this guy. He's, yeah. They're like using this poor dude's addiction against him. So there's like these like really like dark concepts that are just like swirling around the film, which is really interesting. But it's mm. like the tone, they never like let it actually get to that darker place. Mm. But mm -hmm. they're just like normalizing the, the, the evil that's basically in this city, which is kind of interesting to mm. me. So I, I, I found it like kind of interesting. That director's choice, because I Paddington so. too does the same thing where yeah, like totally. he's wrongly accused of a crime and gets thrown in prison and then he's got to bust out of prison and like all the, like it's a bear and like he's so lovable <laughs> and they're they're throwing him in prison <laughs> like really yeah i think uh, it's his style for sure all right what's your uh what's your ranking of the three kenny of what kill all three wonkas aren't there four wonkas Oh man, I don't, I don't know. No, there's not what's, four Wonkas. What's the fourth? <laughs> oh, the fourth is the episode Gene of Wilder, The Office when Johnny Michael Scott puts uh, gold tickets in the paper. Uh, there you uh, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> That's number four. Oh, wait, Gene wait, Wilder, wait. Johnny Depp, Timothy Chalamet. Oh, okay, I thought you were talking about the Michael actual Scott. movies. Well, I am talking about the actual movies. Well, they made two Depp Wonkas, I think. No, they did not. I think. They made two Alice in Wonderlands with Depp. Oh, you're probably They made two Alice in Wonderlands. Yeah, there's only one of those, I believe. You're thinking of Pirates of the Caribbean, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, okay, this was the wrong which, person in to which try there's and pass four. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely Gene Wilder, Chalamet, Deb. Yeah, yeah, same seems, same ranking for me. Same ranking for me. If you don't Sam? pick that, I, I'm gonna have to agree with that ranking. However, okay. I don't hate the Depp version as much as most people do. It's, I think oh that it has. Man. I think that it has its like own place. And I like, I, I'm a weirdo. I just really love the Tim Burton spin on most things. So mm. I'm kind of a Tim That's Burton fair. stand, to be fair. Also, that soundtrack is still such a freaking banger because Danny Elfman <laughs> literally does not miss. I'm not joking. The soundtrack in, in freaking uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is so good if you just go listen to it. I haven't done that in a long time. Maybe, maybe that switch missing for me. Maybe I need to do that. It's missing for you. I don't, know. I don't know if i believe you but uh, we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens we get a lot of like weird willy wonka backstory but yeah we could have a whole podcast about like the willy wonka stuff but you get a strange huge backstory of willy wonka in that one too which i do appreciate honestly there's just, actually a podcast devoted to willy wonka i've, I've learned that doesn't um, surprise me at all yeah. i'll have to share it with my daughters I, I think it's for adults <laughs> when's They're the episode uh, Wonka, when's the episode on Snowpiercer gonna be on that podcast because that's what we mm. need to talk about Snope the, the Bong Joon-ho film yes <laughs> why is that it's, related it's, it's a Willy Wonka movie did you not hear about this you gotta watch that video bro no I've never There's, heard about this okay but... just just <laughs> 
<laughs> once you're in deep, boys, once you're in deep, I'm telling you, Willy Wonka. Okay, all right. Uh, just, I do need to watch Snowpiercer. Yeah, just okay, Snowpiercer's awesome. But yeah, look up uh, Snowpiercer Willy Wonka and it'll convince you. But probably watch Snowpiercer hmm. first, okay? Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Watch the movie first. All right, Kenny. What have you been playing or watching lately? Um, so I got to the table recently, Marvel Zombies. Um, this is the reimagining of the Zombicide system with uh, Marvel guys. Um, <laughs> so it's based <laughs> off the uh, a comic from about 20 years ago, wrote, written by Robert, Robert Kirkman, where basically uh, the superheroes and villains of the Marvel Universe get infected by the zombie virus. Is that and, The Walking Dead dude, too? Yeah, uh-huh, it is. Yeah. He, he loves zombies. Just do zombies? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, he's got other things. Zombies at all. Yes, yeah, I'll say I don't like the comic, um, but I do like the universe they created. Uh, they do like the storyline for that that uh, Marvel Zombies thing is just wacky, just goes incredibly crazy places. Um, but Marvel Zombies is pretty much it's Zombicide, but you add in Marvel stuff, and you know what? That's enough. I loved it. Um, <laughs> it is a bit more of a streamlined take on Zombicide. They took away a couple things that uh, might make it a bit more complicated. Um, I think with some things people would dislike because it has a way custom a bit more customization um, and things like that. But I, 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 when I was playing the game, I found I didn't miss it. Um, like I was just too happy to be playing as you know Captain America, throwing my shield around as a zombie and eating you know um, Foggy Nelson um, just because I had to. I was, I was really hungry. Yeah, yeah, you <laughs> so were hungry. To. Listen, your hunger. <laughs> I I do love the uh, the hunger mechanic. For it sure. is very good. Uh, we haven't played the other version that comes with like the resistance where you can play, you know, as the heroes. I, I want to know how different that is. But the the idea of being a zombie at first turned me off. I was like, oh, what? Why, why are we not just like the heroes versus the zombies? But I actually really I think it's fresh, like a, a fresh mm-hmm. take on the zombicide system with this. So um, I, I was also surprised. I don't know if this is going to be the case for all of them, but we played. I think we we skipped the uh, prologue or not the prologue, the like intro level and we went straight to level one and it only took us like 20 minutes to play, which is unheard of for Zombicide. Like I've never, ever been able to do that. So I was at least like really impressed by that. And uh, I was hoping that that was a, a symptom of what the rest of the game would be like, too. Well, you guys played only three characters, so I think that would probably yeah, limit the number of spawns you get too. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, we, it was so also we, quite easy. So, with more characters, like it would. To just be been fair, Jash really almost easy. died on like two occasions, and we had yeah, to but that's because he's Jash. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. We love um, Jash. He's not I, listening. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I, <laughs> we played a few scenarios, and they were actually all pretty tightly balanced. Like it wasn't like nothing. Nothing was a cakewalk for us. Like we lost first mission. Actually, the ones you guys played. Um, a bit due to just like the inexperience with the uh, with the game, but um, yeah, I, I think you like lost that mission with yeah, six well, okay. characters. <laughs> yeah, well, to be fair, he I'm like with you. he like he like got in, the, the person I was playing with got into the spawn zone, and then like the draw the card where like oh everyone activates, you lose. Um, so that's <laughs> that's what that was. But um, I do find like the the, the game is a bit balanced better, just because I think like when you take out the variables of like the weapons and stuff, it becomes a bit more. It's easier to kind of like uh, fix the difficulty because Zombicide like has a problem with like uh, Black Plague, especially where it just becomes like once you get geared up and you have all the skills, yeah, yeah, you just 
wreck. And I don't, I, I kind of lose interest in the game at that point. Um, so I'd rather have like a tighter co-op experience throughout. See, like, I where think Max liked it at that losing. point. Like that was when he was like, "Yes, this is amazing." <laughs> yeah, I I did, and I I we actually talked about this internally a little bit, but I've only played Zombicide twice. Uh, the one time I played Black Plague, and the one time I played Marvel Zombies. Uh, and yeah, when I played Black Plague, the the ramping, the becoming a god essentially was certainly a draw. But yeah, I think you do that more than a couple times, and it's going to lose its luster. So that was my first play, and it was a blast to just roll a bunch of dice and steamroll everything in my path. But if that was if that was how the game ended consistently, by the third or fourth play, I'd be like, okay, like. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of over this. It was really cool for a while, but now I'm over it. So I, I kind of miss the ramp. I kind of miss the excitement of searching things. I think more importantly, it's that aspect for me because I felt like in Marvel Zombies, it was very clearly like, this is our objective. Let's do it. And I didn't have anything that really drew me away from that objective, which I like that like element of, of pushing your luck, leaving to go find loot. Where it's like, I may make this harder on myself, but hopefully I get a good item that makes it easier on myself. And there just wasn't, there wasn't that in Marvel Zombies. I do think it's a better game. I think that the, the playing around with the hunger mechanic is just superior. It's just a better experience. It's more fun to push your luck that way. And it's more like uh, ebbing and flowing rather than just a singular ramp to the top. And then you just steamroll everything. So... I do think Marvel Zombies is a better game, but if you come at it from uh, Black Plague and you're expecting the same experience as Black Plague, that's not what you're going to get. Now, Absolutely. I say that as someone who's only played one time, so take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt. Uh, but yeah, I'm not even a Marvel guy, and I had a good time. I did specifically pick Giant Man because he was literally like three times the size of every other <laughs> miniature, and I was like, was this cool. guy just looks sweet. And he was sweet. He had a range of one on everything, and he could move farther and whatever. It was he was very interesting. Uh, but I think if you like Marvel and you like Zombicide, this is I I don't see how this could be a miss. Like it just can't be. I don't. Yeah. I don't understand. If you already like those two things, there's no way this falls flat for you personally. And like the toy factor of the game is just incredible. Like uh, I've been enjoying Penny the Minis and just kind of like uh, seeing all the different sculpts they've done. They like this is like one of the better. I think this is probably the best Zombicide um, in terms of like sculpt, sculpt quality. Absolutely. The, the quality of the minis. Best it's looked, um, yeah. Yeah, they look You're really, getting really Deceased good. too, right? Um, yeah. Probably yeah. just the base, yeah. But, oh, just base, okay. Yeah, it was a lot of fun though. No interest in Zombicide, right, Sam? Yeah, I've not, I've, I'm just not really a fan of it, but maybe I just haven't played it enough. I, I played, um, my favorite version of the game that I've played though still is Black plague i would say yeah but i think that's just because i like the fantasy setting sure yeah. but the, the yeah. same core system of the game i still am not like a huge fan of every time i've played it but i'm not a huge fan of like co-op games in general um, i was gonna say yeah. i don't think i've ever heard you talk about this game are you big into death may die at all or do you like it rather um i'm partial on death may die i need to play it more I'll be okay. honest. I've played it one time. So oh, okay. Um, I love Death May Die. I, yeah. I would say I like that much more than Zombie Side. Okay. That's fair. Me too. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. Death May Die is one of my favorites. I, I do wish they and I I love the the Cthulhu mythos. Yeah, though, I so like, like Me Too. I do enjoy the theme. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 
Alrighty, and then uh, we at least, no, I think all four of us have watched it. Sam, I don't know how recently you've seen it, but we recently watched uh, The Grand Budapest Hotel, which is a film by Wes Anderson. Probably one of his most famous, like, it it is his most famous, right? Uh, I mean, Fantastic Mr. Fox is probably the only thing that compares. Fox might be the only thing that's up there as well. Yeah, those are certainly the top two, I would feel. Yeah, I would Um, probably say. Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, Doolin, I, I, it's my movie, but I, I'm going to pass it to you as the person oh, who's, really? if you don't mind, as the person who's probably the most excited about it. You also pointed something out to me, speaking of Paddington, which I think would be fun to to mention real quick. But uh, tell us about Grand Budapest Hotel. What is it? Oh, what is, uh, is it similar to Paddington? Oh, wait, you brought I that drew, up, dog. I drew that connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, um, so here's the thing. The story, like, follows this dude um played by i i'm gonna get his name wrong. rafe I, fiends rafe fiends who i love i've I, he's every time he's in a movie i get really really excited uh and especially lately because he in killed Bruges, it in Bruges, yeah and he's wonderful. Uh, like every time he's in something i'm really pumped um but in the same way that paddington 2 is kind of about like how this person who has this like charismatic nature uh who just like puts goodness out like it comes back uh, the same ha- thing happens with him. Like he, you, you get introduced to him, and he has connections everywhere. And I love like those characters in movies where it's like, oh, I got a guy for that. Oh, I, oh, we need this done. I got a guy for that. Like type of thing. Love that. Um, and he gets put, thrown into the scenario where one of the uh, ladies that he takes care of whenever they come to the hotel uh, passes away. He goes to see her. And uh, in the middle of, like, the will being read, um, they find out that this painting, this, like, priceless painting, was left to him. Uh, And in his own words, everything else is trashed. It's priceless. Um, And, you know, the whole family is shocked. They're getting everything else, but they're shocked that this one painting is going to him. And so they... uh, Vow that they're not going to let that happen. He steals the painting uh, and leaves. Uh, and then he gets framed for the murder of the Duchess. I think she's a Duchess, right? Um, and he gets thrown in prison. And so the rest of the movie is about uh, his buddies and everybody who knows him, who likes him, who who cares about him, trying to help him escape. And there's even, like, just like in Paddington, <laughs> where that's the theme of the movie, he befriends people in prison who help him escape. <laughs> and I love it. The whole movie, it's a five out of five. Uh, love this movie but Max I'll throw it back to you because this is your movie yeah well I just want to pick it because we've all seen it but yeah this was I think this is my fifth Wes Anderson uh, and it's right up there for me at least with the Royal Tannenbaums as being my favorite of the of the bunch so far Uh, I think that the Royal Tannenbaums is a much more like emotionally impactful story Uh, but this is like for me at least far and away his funniest movie oh it's so Uh, funny Fantastic (laughs) Mr. Fox is so freaking good yeah. yeah, but Grand Budapest Hotel is just like above and beyond one of the funniest movies that I've seen in a long time. Uh, it took me forever. This is just a real quick aside. It took me forever to realize that uh, Mr. Mustafa was played by F. Murray Abraham, who <laughs> I'm a big fan of from Amadeus. But uh, yeah, I was like, I know that guy. I know that guy. And then like towards the end of the movie, I was finally like, oh, that's who it is. Uh, but yeah, I think this is just a super fantastic film. It 
It has the same Wes Anderson vibes that you get from every one of his movies, at least since uh, what Bottle or not Bottle Rocket, uh, uh, Rushmore probably. And uh, it's got that thing where like four four fifths of the way through the movie, you're like, oh, there's Owen Wilson. <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah, these big definitely. movie stars that are just popping yeah. up left and right. The Saoirse Ronan. I love yeah, how he like, does that. Yeah, I, I love too. how he does that. It's so fun. He's, He's so adept at just getting everyone to just be like, yeah, I'll come along for six lines. Like, yeah, sure, why not? Like, <laughs> it's a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, it's, it's Wes Anderson. It's great. Uh, but I thought Grand Budapest Hotel was fantastic. Um, it's the, the screenplay alone was way more interesting than I thought it was going to be. I, I somehow avoided spoilers on this movie for 10 years. Wow, it came out in 2014, I think, right? Um, I somehow avoided spoilers on this for a long time. So... I really knew nothing about it other than the title and the fact that Ray Fiennes was like a, a hotel manager type ordeal. And the it's it strays far away from the hotel very early on uh, mm-hmm. in, a, in a very fun and interesting and exciting way. So I, I really felt like I was like strung along the whole way and it just did a, a fantastic job keeping me engaged. Some incredibly hilarious scenes in this film, like the freaking sledding scene. Oh my god, dude! Like the shootout. I'm, <laughs> I'm so dying. Good. They were so good. I was dying laughing at that because, like, at that point, I think Emily, Emily, and I were both like, "Just what is happening? <laughs> why, is, why is this in here?" But I was so happy about it. And it, to couple that with, I think I've decided like the most memorable scene uh, for me was right after that when he's on the ledge. Mm-hmm. and you i i thought okay he's dead like I, and this is such a good way for him to go out he's like quoting a poem or something like that and then all of a sudden <laughs> the guy gets pushed off the edge and he's like holy shit like, he's <laughs> get, me, get me up out of here it's just like a complete tonal shift i loved it kenny what do you think about this one uh i like it a lot yeah i think i'd agree with you i think like royal tan bomb says like a better emotional depth and I think like more complex characters. So I think that's one I that still resonates with me stronger, but this is like, I think like Wes Anderson, like kind of like at the peak of his craft, like this is just like such a Wes Anderson movie from mm-hmm. beginning to end. Like, I feel like he's like this movie. I feel like he feels very, you can feel like he has confidence in his movie making ability now. Mm-hmm. Um, because like there are things that he does that no one else would do. And oh, some um, of those shots. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just, uh, it, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Sam? Yes, this movie is amazing. The reason why I love Wes Anderson so much in general is because like most directors are like, okay, we're going to make a movie and we're going to try to convince the audience to forget that they're watching a movie. Mm. But like Wes Anderson's just like, no, I'm going to show you guys that it's a, just a movie. <laughs> like the way that <laughs> yeah. he frames his shots, you're like, oh, I know exactly where the camera's at right now. The way he like, <laughs> The the way he does everything, he's like almost like letting you in, or at least now the way that he's making movies now, it's like he's letting you in on like an age old secret of like how movies are made, and he's totally okay with that fact. I love that because it's like you're going to such a weird, different type of movie experience. Most movies you like disappear in it, but in Wes Anderson, it's almost impossible to disappear in it because you can see everything, like mm-hmm. all those crazy wide painting shots that they'll do love Mm. those the settings are just amazing everything looks so great because he like does not like to use cgi Mm -hmm. (laughs) he just likes to keep it all yeah Yeah, the miniature work the paintings i mean that stuff is so cool 
Um, but yeah, I love this movie for so many reasons. It's hilarious. All you guys have already said all the great stuff. I will say one thing that's really funny to me is that Willem Dafoe plays a very similar character oh, in this, yeah. as well as in uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. So I find that very funny that he's like basically the same character in both. Who? Oh, my, I don't even know who he he's, is in Fantastic he's the, Mr. Fox. He's the rat. He's the oh, little rat with the is. flicking knife. Yeah. Yeah. He <laughs> He's is. got the same little knife thing, too. I didn't put two and two together. <laughs> I love I, it, dude. I never yeah. realized that. Yeah. Fantastic um, Richard Fox was the first one I've seen. I need to I need to return to it. Before so that so that one's my favorite Wes Anderson film that he's mm-hmm. ever made. But to be fair, I think that is also in part because I love stop motion animation. And that movie is just incredible from just the technical standpoint there. But then also having such a whimsical movie on top of it makes it my favorite. But I like I rewatching, or not rewatching rather, but I like watching the behind the scenes of Fantastic Mr. Fox and seeing like George Clooney like doing his lines while like yeah, dude. method acting things <laughs> happening on the screen. And the eating at the table. Yeah. Just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Have you seen Fantastic Mr. Oh, Fox? Dylan? Awesome. No. It, oh, the only two that I've seen. Dylan. <laughs> The only, the only oh. two Wes Anderson movies I've seen is Royal Tenenbaums and Grand Budapest Hotel. And it's funny because I remember before I'd seen any, Kenny and Kyle were warning me. They were like, Doolin, we know that you're big on like story. Like, you're, like sometimes his movies are just like random things happening and you might not like them. And these two like both have good stories. Like, uh, I, I'll I, yeah. say those two. I don't know about the others yet. Uh I don't know if that's a pattern, but at least these two, I, I especially this one, I love the story. I would predict that you would hate Asteroid City. He would, mm, if he yeah. likes story. But I that's love Asteroid predi- City. I thought that I, was I was going to ask you. Okay. <laughs> Me too. I'm a, I'm yeah, a big yeah. fan of Asteroid City, but I, it seems like a lot of other people do not. Asteroid City for me was like probably... It was close to because for me, in my opinion, Fantastic Mr. Fox is his funniest. I think Grand Budapest is like right behind that. But for mm-hmm. me, Asteroid City immediately jumped up to right behind them in funniest Wes Anderson films. I was yeah. laughing the whole freaking time at that movie. Yeah, but, agreed. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's a it's a freaking trip, man. <laughs> the song in that movie. I can't believe that one didn't win, dude. I know. Come I mean, on, man. Well, I mean, I guess we still have the Oscars to to hope for, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe we'll get lucky there. The Critics' Choice, though. Come on. Yeah, that's should have should have won. Have you seen Asteroid City, Kenny? Uh, I have not. Um, oh man, but, it's on Peacock, but, dude. It's a literal yeah. trip. I would. I did recently just... watch uh, the wonderful story of Henry Sugar though on Netflix. Oh yeah, and I, I really like that. Um, I, is that the first of the four shorts you did that you've seen? Uh, that's the only one that I've seen of his. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. the I've longest not, one. Yeah, yeah. The other ones are only seventeen. The, only, the other ones are really shorter. Yeah. I've okay. not seen Henry Sugar or Rat Catcher, but I liked The Swan a lot, and I liked Poison yeah. pretty well. So definitely recommend checking him out. All right, anything else on Wes Anderson? He's great. What a hack. Yeah. Big fan. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, before we get into our feature topic, we've got another question coming up for Sam here. Sam, we rolled the number that is a nine, not a six. What is your biggest gaming pet peeve? Mm. Okay, recently it's it's been the way that some games present themselves. Um like when people say that their game is asymmetric um, and then it's like variable player powers or variable player positions or like barely asymmetric, mm, mm-hmm. that drives me insane. I don't yeah. know if that's a pet peeve. I, I think it's the way that yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I just think that like lately I feel like I've been like falling into that trap. But like, for example, I feel like Scythe 
is like the only like Stonemeyer game. Well, okay, besides maybe Tapestry. It's one of the few games that are truly asymmetric, whereas like for me, Apiary doesn't fall into that. Even Expeditions doesn't really fall into that. Because it's like such light asymmetry that it's not. Yeah. It's it's really there should be another term for it because when I hear asymmetry, I get really excited because I'm thinking mm. very different player positions, not yeah. like slightly different player positions. We've been so, spoiled by root, though. Yeah, we have. We have been spoiled by root. We've been spoiled by games that are able to say, "Hey, we're gonna make an asymmetric game with very very different player positions." I wish there was just like another term for games that are like. We've got some slight asymmetry, but like market that in a different word because yeah. I I don't mm. like asymmetric. It just doesn't work for me because I'm like that's not what the definition. <laughs> I, mean, I feel like variable what? player powers is the closest thing to it that. It is, yeah, but it is. People definitely tend to use asymmetric regardless of whether it yeah, should yes. fit there or not. Because apiary is just like variable player boards, right? Like that's. Yeah, and like much. one ability. It's yeah, one I think yeah, I think like you got like thing. one ability and a board, but like that does not make me feel like I'm playing some vastly different game when I approach yeah. it a second yeah, yeah, yeah. time. And I yeah. like Apiary. And I mean, the board is like the extent of Castles of Burgundy, where you're yeah. like, oh, our boards are slightly different. Yeah, yep. well, not... I would argue Castles of Burgundy is asymmetric. I'm just no kidding. stop. <laughs> Get some help. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> All right, no. let's move on to our feature topic. We're going to talk about some fantasy board games. Uh, we, With our feature topic and movies being the Green Knight, I kind of wanted to do specifically Arthurian board games, but like there's just not really enough. Uh, I know there's another, there's one coming out, like a Seamon one, I think, coming out this year, and, and Shadowborn that did Osworn is also an Arthurian game, but they're not out quite just yet. So we, we're just picking fantasy games, though Doolin, you fortunately uh, have played an Arthurian game that you can start us off with here today. Yeah, so I, I'll go ahead and uh, spoil a future uh, Table Knots video that will or will not come out. I don't know. We've not done one in two and a half years. But um, <laughs> Tainted Grail is solidly in my top five games of all time. It is incredible. Uh, yeah, really? it has the best writing in any game I've ever played. Hands down, nothing has come close. Um, I think... Osworn got halfway there. I was going to say, we didn't Tainted play Grail. enough, but where do you think Osworn yeah. lies? Okay. Yeah, it's close. Tainted Grail is just like perfect, though. And uh, to give you that like backstory, um, it is hundreds of years after Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table have ruled the land. I, whoa, 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 hold on. Wait, that's the second game. I'm th I'm, let's go back to the first. The Fall of Avalon, <laughs> which is the game that I've played all the way through, is after... Uh, the death of King Arthur, but some of the Knights of the Round Table are still alive. And um, have any of you guys played this, by the way? Mm -mm. The other I have. Okay. I have played it twice, um, and then my Ooh. brother has played it uh, all the way through. Um, okay, I, so I you ended say up twice, not twice all the way through. No, no, twice. no. I played <laughs> okay. two. Yeah, I played two <laughs> sessions of the game, and then I found that my brother would probably enjoy it more, so I actually lended mm. it to him. Not that I didn't like it, but that he was yeah, looking yeah, yeah. for a game, um, and. He played it through so yeah. yeah so so this game the the story goes that arthur is is dead the knights they're struggling to keep back this thing called the weirdness which is taking over the land and inside the weirdness is all kinds of evil all kinds of monsters it's i i would think uh, a good comparison is like 
Cthulhu mixed with Arthur. Yes. <laughs> uh, because this weirdness is taking over and it's even making people go insane and like all the stuff. And it, it can affect you as a character differently. Um, but you come into the world uh, with a different backstory, depending on the character that you choose, uh, with a different mm, guide, as what I'm going to call it. Like your Yoda is out there, <laughs> has been sent to help find out what's going on. Why is the why are these lights that have been holding back the weirdness for a really, really long time? Why are they going out? Why can't we keep them going? And um, you find out that your uh, spoilers like like a fraction a fifth of the uh, or a five percent of the way into the game you find out that your mentor has died uh and it's up to you now as this untrained uh like hero in training uh trying to stop everything and you meet all of like the famous characters you even meet uh the evil witch uh who lives in arthur's castle and you can try to team up with her like you there's so many branching paths it is as close to like a true RPG that you would play like Skyrim or Mass Effect or something that I've ever played uh, because there I just found that there's so many choices you can make. And uh, without going into like how the game ended for me, the actual game itself is played with like very simple, just choose uh, your own adventure style book. And then on top of that combat, that's based off of like a deck that you've crafted. I wouldn't call it deck building but it's more like a TCG where you've made your deck and you can upgrade it as you play. And then you use that to face the monsters that you're going up against. And it's just great. It's really good. There's like some issues that I have with how the game is played, but the second one that is coming out or has been delivering to people uh, fixes a lot of those issues. And so if you're like listening to this and you're like, ah, but Doolin, I've had so many problems (laughs) with the finickiness. Know that the second one, I think, does away with a lot of that so uh great game love love it It, it's incredible i think sam and the listeners if they haven't already deserve some context uh regarding tainted grail and doolin uh so much so that we created a meme dedicated to doolin and his tainted grail experience because we have a root chat well i mean it used to be a root chat uh it's just now now it's just a chat uh, with Kyle, Jeff, myself, and Doolin, and we are always chatting in there. And all of a sudden, one week, Doolin just kind of fell off the face of the <laughs> earth, and we just didn't hear about him at all. And I think it was on like Thursday night or something. He was like, "Hey guys, I've played forty hours of Tainted Grail this week. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back, I'm back to it." And we were like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> so like yeah. he just kind of forgot all of life's I mean I, I hesitate to call his friends and respond and, and reach out a responsibility but he forgot all about us for a week's time and was just like knee deep in Tainted Grail That's yeah, wonderful. I, was, I was really thankful to Emily because every spare moment I had I was like uh, can I go to the room and play more Tainted Grail like, and, or I would just like we would be doing something or like have a TV show on and I would go to the bathroom and I would just like sneak away sneak into the room <laughs> Like a, I could, I, I'll go make one decision, and then I just look up, and Emily's like, "You've been in here three hours. Like, where, where have you been?" We, I put it on pause, or like, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a glorious time. It was just like those times when you're young and you get sucked into a game uh, on your Xbox or PlayStation, whatever. But 
uh, I, I had that feeling with a board game for like the first time. So. Or in Kenny's case, like the Sega Genesis or something like mm, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Atari. When, yeah. when games Atari. were made for the first time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Sam, you might not realize that, but there's a running old joke with Kenny because uh, he's like 50 years old. So we just kind of like to poke and prod. Dang. Um, You're looking really good, good for Just confirm yeah. after 50 years old. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a, a real testament to a game, though, when you can just kind of like lose yourself in it. Uh, it is, I agree. It is something that is very rare, I find. And if that, if you can do that, that is uh, big props to a game for allowing that to happen. I think. So before we move on to to the next game, ha- has any game done that to you, Sam or Kenny? Any game? Yes, many games. I'm actually going to talk about one later. So oh, okay. maybe I should maybe I should wait to talk about mine, but sure. um, I've got one. Um, board games, no, just because like board games, you have to kind of have to have the people yeah. around you, and so like I've never had like a solo experience. So like it was just like like it's the only thing I could think about like um, doing head with Tainted Grail, but like video games for sure. There's a lot. Oh but, yeah, um, yeah, same. yeah. But board games, not so much. Maybe the closest thing is like Arkham Horror, um, just because like, I was able to have like you know a weekly mm-hmm. group that that plays it. So. Um, and it has like also that story that you can get immersed in, but not to the extent of like I'm obsessed over it. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've definitely been absolutely enthralled with video games before, like any of the Souls games, Hades, whatever. Uh, those have really just drugged me under. But uh, yeah. board games, yeah, it's uh, as for not being a solo gamer, it just doesn't really happen. I will say that like the closest thing that's ever come. The thing that's ever come close to that and maybe speaks to you too, Kenny, is Blood on the Clock Tower. Uh, as mm, far as just not yeah. like a game that I sit there and play forever because that's not possible, but a game that I just like wholly consumed for a couple of months there where I was just like watching every video I could. I was setting up times to play it whenever I could. So there are games yeah. that have had that effect on me. Um, and like right now, to to a lesser extent, for sure. But I'm, like, constantly thinking about, like, Caverna or Pax Pamir as far as, like, I'm just like, oh, what can I, what do I, what do, I do next? Like, uh, this, this game's really on the top of my brain. So uh, definitely not to the extent of something like uh, Tainted Grail. But Pax are Pamir you a, is wonderful. I was going to say, Sam, are you a Pax Pamir guy? Yes. I thought so. Yes. I didn't we know that you played uh, it. Well, uh, it's on Board Game we Arena now. Started. And so we just <laughs> oh. started. Oh my gosh, please invite me on the next one. I would love to play. I will gladly do so. Uh, please. You will slaughter us. Uh, I, I probably won't. I, I love the game. I'm not saying I'm good at it. It's one I that, do uh, love it though. We we are still learning how uh, scoring. Even oh yeah, is. like we're so still. I think you'll. I think we're, we're still real this. figuring things out. <laughs> That's fair. It's but very weird. Is, I don't know if you guys have played a PAX game before, but I they, never have. One, uh, okay, so once you like play your first PAX game, you're like, oh god, what? And then you have to like learn the PAX game, and then the game, and then once you play another PAX game, you'll be like, oh, I see why they're PAX games now. So that's cool. That's cool. I'm really enjoying it, but yeah, it is still ultimately just a uh, like my turns consist of me pressing ten buttons and be like, "That's what happens if I do those things." Undo, <laughs> and then I'm like, "Okay, press ten more buttons." Okay, so this is what happens if I do those things. Like, yeah. Which honestly, props to Board Game Arena for doing. That. It's a pretty darn good implementation, and I strictly cool. play on my phone, so like it works pretty well. Really, just on your on phone, phone with Board Game Arena? Okay, cool. Oh yeah, yeah. I I do not. Like ninety nine percent of my board game arena plays are on my phone. I just don't That's sit down sweet. at my computer enough, so uh, it yeah. works pretty darn well, though. Max, we should vow that if we go back to PAX next year, that we will play PAX. Sure PAX. 
PAX at PAX. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. dude. Make sure to invite me to that if I if I go to PAX too. Absolutely. I've been thinking about buying the physical game. It's just I, I really I really like it, and it's one of those games that I think would be better in person, just because of all the table talk. Mm-hmm. Anyways, like mm-hmm. absolutely like Castles of Burgundy, whatever. Like that game's fantastic on Board Game Arena because like I don't need to really have a conversation or anything like that about about the game over it but pax is different we've gone wholly off topic here but that's okay sam talk to us about your game <laughs> all right so yeah fantasy game i don't know this is kind of a weird pick but i picked it because of a faction within the game so there's a whole series of games called imperium the first two sets were imperium classics and then imperium legends i'm specifically talking about imperium legends because this is really a historical deck building 4X civilization game that is a deck builder while simultaneously a weird like technology tree exploration. It's got everything you'd ever want, but it's also super strange and weird and takes a little bit to like unlearn common tropes in deck building mm-hmm. games. It's just great, but I could talk about it forever. So Classics and Legends, though, Classics is only historical factions. Legends implemented some fantasy factions or more like legendary factions, one of those being Arthurians. That faction is my favorite faction in the game ever. So <laughs> let me just, yeah, they're, they're my favorite. So I, awesome. I love I love Arthurian Legend, first off. This is a very, very asymmetric game. Let me just talk a little bit about like probably the coolest thing about it. It's a deck builder that not every faction wants to go through their deck uh, quickly. Because as you go through your deck, you're basically adding a random card to your deck and like padding it. Um, and that's a card that's unique to your specific deck. Once you get through that whole pile, so you, de- you cycle through your deck over and over and over, and you add these cards in a random order. Once you get through that pile, there's like a little ascension card. Usually that's something specific to the history of your faction. And... Um, for example, for the Vikings, it's Ragnarok. But uh, there's like a lot of different things. So once you get to that card, though, if you were a barbarian faction at that time, you'd switch to an empire. Then as you cycle through your deck, instead of taking a random card, you get to look at this tech tree of cards and you get to buy one or add one to your deck. So now it's not these random cards that are getting kind of siphoned through your deck at random time. Now you have options to add specific cards to your deck in any order that you want for a price. And so it becomes like, oh, now I'm like specking out my deck in the way that I want to. And it's so strange, dudes, because it's like some factions, you're like, I want to go through my deck as fast as I can. But other factions, they get like a little weaker in the Empire State because like historically, some were much more strong uh, civilizations while they were still like a little bit like more barbaric. Whereas other ones were better as empires. There's a faction in the game that starts as an empire and you're just trying to like deal with unrest in your civilization as an empire from the get go, like the Atlanteans. And you're like trying to keep onto your lands because they're all sinking in front of you. Mm. So it's like it's it's super, super thematic to each of the the decks. The reason why I like the Arthurians so much is that they never become an empire. Um everything is super thematic to Arthurian legend and lore. So instead of like getting technology cards you're actually going out on quests and you're putting your knights to these quests <laughs> and so you're kind of like specking these quests instead of specking technologies so instead of like making the arthurians like oh well 
they became an empire, they get technology. They actually built this deck to work completely differently than any of the other decks where they added mm. quest cards. So I, I just find that to be so freaking fun. But anyways, the game is great. Um, I think you guys should all check it out. And the new set Horizons. One. You have it? I I don't know which one I have, and I can I go think check. You have legends. I think it's legends. Ooh, I think it's legends. Yeah. Okay, do not start with the Arthurians, but I highly <laughs> recommend playing the game. Cool. <laughs> it is one of cool. those games where I'm like, please, for the love of God, start with the easiest faction possible, even mm. as an experienced gamer, because you will hate yourself if you jump into like the more complex ones. Um, I did that, and I was like, I love everything that's going on no idea what's going on <laughs> and, uh, not to gush on you anymore sam but i literally had it on my wish list and the reason i got it was because of your channel because you, oh, you gushed on it a bunch. i have gushed and on it, it a lot really great like and, yeah. and you do a good job of showing off the art like it just like it just, immediately i was like okay this looks like a game that we would like and yeah I, it's I, it's yeah. such an interesting game too because i know that so like a lot of people got it because of me and i feel a little bad because <laughs> many people many people have come up to me and said, Hey, yeah, uh I got Imperium uh Classics of Legends, didn't like it. <laughs> and I was like <laughs> I don't know I, what to say. Why to do this. people do that? I don't. I don't. Like, why I don't, do people do that? I never. Like, it, my my money is my own. I don't ever blame people. For I was it. like, I literally was like, I just don't know what my response to that would be. And then like, uh, some some people would come back to and like say like oh, the rule book's trash. And I was like, yeah, I mean like that's definitely a valid criticism. The rule book is not easy to follow. Like especially if you're not like if you're not somebody who's read like war game rule books before, it's definitely not easy to follow because it doesn't do a lot of teaching more of telling you exactly what you can do um, less of what you can't. Uh, but the new rule book with horizons, which is their new expansion apparently fixes all of that. And actually I've read it um, cause I have it early, which is sick, but um, the, the rule book is amazing. And I think that I finally think that something is going to get more people into the game. Because mm. I think that it was just this block that people, they couldn't, it's such a freaking weird game, and it's unfortunately a game that I can't describe with any other game. So I can't be like, oh, it's mm -hmm. like this, or it's like that. Yeah. So teaching yeah. it is me teaching something completely different. So it's kind of just hard. I don't know. Yeah. The rule book's much better now, I will say that. I'm actually really excited to play this game. Uh, it's been one that I've been interested in myself for a long time, and I just knew that it wouldn't make sense for me to purchase it, really, mm. as someone who who didn't play solo games, because I know that the solo is a big draw for it. Now, maybe I yes. will. I don't know. Maybe I will. But uh, yeah, I've, I've been like pushing. Max Doolin. is in his solo era. May, maybe, maybe 2024 <laughs> is my it. solo era. I've been pushing you, Doolin, to get this for. I was like, Doolin, I think you're gonna love this. I remember, like, at least on two separate occasions when I was at Barnes and Noble, I was like, it's on sale for dollars. <laughs> yeah, no, Do you want it? You're like, no, was, I'm okay. Uh, I don't want it right now. It? Someone sold who? it. Somebody, Somebody sold, sold it to us. Uh, was it, was really it nice Sean? I don't remember. I think it was Sean. Uh, I think it was Sean. But yeah, either way, we finally got a copy. I mean, Doolin finally got a copy. But I now that he has it i'm very excited to play it i i like the asymmetry i like mm -hmm. weird stuff i mean i say all the Super time weird. both movies and games i just like things that are that are unique and Me different too. and and out there um and i also i like the miko i like david Turtsy. i mean mm -hmm. what's what's not to really to Nigel vibe buckle with on this great game. Yeah, yeah, that same tag team duo group made voidfall which is sweet oh okay uh, okay okay yeah um one quick thing uh you were talking about a game that you were like super um like you disappear in kind of deal 
um, with this game, uh, this was the very first game that I genuinely loved the solo so much that there are nights where I will actually just pick it up and play it solo. Like, there's never really been, like, a game where, like, after I played it solo once, I was like, okay, I, I actually just want to do it again. Um, it felt like playing a video game in that way of, there was one night, it, it just happened because I was playing the New Horizons set and I was, like, adding in the new mini expansion with the trade goods and everything. Now, on top of, like, all of this deck building, there's now, like, trade and, like, all this other aspect of the game that they added. And it's just, like, even bigger than it was before. And it's just cards, guys. It's just freaking cards. But it feels so much more legendary than that. Dude, I was playing this game for three and a half hours, learning the new stuff, and just taking my time with every single decision. And it literally felt like I was just controlling an empire. And, like, I got into bed at, like, 4 a.m. And Kate was like, did your game just end? And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, dude, that was like a freaking full movie with like an act one, act two and act three. And I'm it. like, I felt That's like awesome. I just led a kingdom <laughs> to amazing. glory, dude. It was so sick. Um, but yeah, it's not going to hit with everybody. And I know that I do like weird stuff. I like games that make me think really, really, really critically. So it's great. It's a great game for me, but I don't know. I, I recommend you guys at least try it. Speaking of games that are predominantly cards and also have the word Imperium in them, have you ever played Imperium the Contention? I have not. Okay. I no. thought you were going to say Dune Imperium. I did no. too, and I was going <laughs> to no. laugh really hard. <laughs> no, 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 no. Imperium, I'm going to look this game up, though. Okay. I, I recently bought it because I've, I've been interested in it for a long time. I haven't learned it. nor Well, I kind of learned it. I haven't played it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. I just didn't know if you had had seen it uh kenny do you have any interest in these imperium games yeah i'm excited for dylan to learn the game and teach us yeah exactly with his expert teaching skills is it yes, just the, uh, the teaching players, is good. or can you play no so you can three. play it you can play it at more than you can play it up to four um okay Ooh, the community have, doesn't really recommend it. yes yeah, so i think the community recommends that you play it solo or at two, two yeah um i will say I would recommend it at solo or two as well. Okay. Is um, it like villainous in that sense? It's, it's, yeah, I think, I think it's also like just game time and yeah. there's, it's a pretty long game and I love long games. I, so for me, I think it would be like, I would totally play this at three or four because I love the game and I love spending time with the game because I can just get more into my character. At that point, I'm just leading an empire for longer. Mm -hmm. I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for other people, for other people though, like I feel like uh, some people would tap out at some point because sure. I, I personally think the game, it, it does have a lot of downtime. So to do it at three, if you're not really into it, I don't think you would like it as much. This is so. what's going to happen. This is gonna, I'm going to play it solo. I'm going to learn it. Yep. I'm going to play it solo. And then I'll come and I will be the DM of the game for Ooh. Max and Kenny. And okay. I'll, Dude, I'll make sure that totally. they do the rules right and I'll watch over. So <laughs> there's an that, insanely that good. There's a really good TTS mod that I just played with uh, Fred Serval from Homo Ludens channel. We just did a teach and play of the game. So if you oh. want to watch that video, um, yeah, that's a good place to start as well where I teach the game. Now we know how to get started in uh, in Imperium. All right. Kenny, what have you been playing? Or no, what are you going to talk about? I'm getting distracted. What am, I, what am I saying here? I'm too busy looking at Imperium Board Game Geek website. But uh, <laughs> sorry. I was, I was just so, as enthralled as Sam was. 
so my, my pick is kind of like the polar opposite of uh, Imperium Legends. It's uh, not a heavy, complex, or deep game. This is a call to adventure. Uh, but this is like pretty like straightforward. Um, it's even hard to describe the mechanics of the game because really the game is about you're, you get a character. And your, your character is going to go through three acts in the game. Um, you're going to get a background, maybe a few special skills. And as you go through the game, you're basically just going to take on challenges, pick up new traits that kind of basically fill in the background of your character. Because maybe you start as like a, a thief, and then you can eventually pick up a car that makes you a spellcaster. Um, then eventually pick up a car that says what a kind of person you are. Um, and you're eventually going to go draft these cards, which kind of influence the skills you have for dice rolls. Um, and you're just going to basically go through the game, picking up these little story points and like character points. And as you go through Act 1, Act 2, Act 3, you kind of come out at the end with, like, almost like a full-fledged character, a full-fledged story. Like, a character you could, like, take into, like, an RPG, or, you know, a, a character that could be, like, almost, like, reminiscent of being, like, in a fantasy novel. Um, it's a game I really love because the competition in the game doesn't really matter to me. Like, you, there's, a, there's like, a definite winner, definite losers. But, like, at the end of the game, it's a game where I just feel so happy with the character I've made that I'll often choose the suboptimal thing because I just want I want this for my character versus what's the actual best thing. Um, it's fairly light. So I think it's like, you know, if you have someone who is interested in fantasy but not super um, into board games, I think it's actually really good a choice. Like if you have a, a D&D group, like this is like a game I would have on your shelf um, for like when you, you know, you have a night that falls through. Um, just because it is like, so thematic and just kind of hits those fantasy notes so so well um they have the storm like they've actually integrated with like a couple big fantasy series like uh, the storm like archive uh the name of the wind series by patrick rothfuss so um it's it, i think it's a really great game i every time i play it i feel so happy playing it just because the the fantasy theme just comes in comes through so so well so any of you all played it Mm-mm. no but i want to based off oh, of that really? oh, <laughs> i have okay. played it actually and i do love it i do enjoy it a lot it's probably my favorite brother wise game because that that's brother wise right right yes mm-hmm. yeah, yeah 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 um i love the the size of the cards is so nice too they're like tarot yes. sized cards they're very very nice beautiful artwork on them yes um yeah no totally this game's great um i liked it too because i know that they also added uh, an official module to where you can take the cards that you built up over the game and then right. put that into a make it into a 5e D&D character. You're right, uh, yeah. That's cool. It's cool. it's so cool. So you can get yeah. the exact character that you were like building along your path. Um and I agree with what Kenny said cuz during the game I was not even thinking about winning or losing at all. Um I wasn't even trying to like min-max the game. I was choosing stuff based on what I think my character would want in its like tableau really, or like mm-hmm. how I saw my character. Uh, oftentimes it ended up being that way. I lost because of this. <laughs> Kate is a much, <laughs> Kate, Kate is really good at these games. Uh, so she's able to be like, I want this, but also this is going to score me more points. Mm, let's go with the one that scores me more points. <laughs> uh, so she annihilated me, but it was still fun. And it was cool to like, look at our characters at the end. So I agree. It's a good game. Yeah, and I think, like, both you and uh, Doolin, Maxi, both, both enjoyed this as well. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, yeah, I think I think the fantasy theme just sings in this game, you know. It's been on my radar uh, perpetually. Like, it's one that I've been interested in for a long time, but just never enough to, like, dive in and try it out. 
but I mean, I'd be happy to play it uh, if it's mm-hmm. one that you own. I would absolutely love to. Can it play like up to three and four? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Fantastic. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I own it too. So super we'll easy to get it too. But I think you could also like. I don't think it's like light by any means. I think. Um. I think there's a lot of interesting decisions. I think that I just naturally am not looking for those in the framework of the game because I'm mm-hmm. like, this is so freaking cool. I would rather just build my character kind of deal. Sure. Um. But there's a lot of interesting decisions within it. I always get this confused in my brain with role player adventures. There's just like a lot mm. of those like dice based <laughs> adventuring mm-hmm. games that. And uh, so when Max said, oh, I, I, I've never I've, it's been on my radar. I'm like, it's on your shelf. I'm, I think <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I that's role player adventure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> another good game. Another good game. Yeah. But uh, role, role players, when I, I thought of it too, but I, I almost think of like role player, like this is for D and D, right? Like this mm. is more about not the fantasy, but like, creating like a character for D. You know? yeah definitely well if you're being that strict on fantasy then this one might be a, a curveball for you i i felt like we had to i mean come on right we have lord of the board here we have sam <laughs> on the podcast we have to talk about the fantasy game that is root uh the 2018 leader games board game that is sam's number one i still assume favorite board game it of is, all time it is still Doolin's my favorite board game number of all time. Two, one, one, number one, my number, hey! like, number one, my number two, three, and Kenny doesn't like this game. Uh, so uh, Root is- It's like a solid 200. Don't worry, guys. Okay. What? <laughs> yeah. oh. Oh. We'll, we'll get Listen, into that. I still love my number 200 favorite game of all time. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which Hobba one is that? <laughs> I can find out. I can find out. <laughs> Root is a, it's a, it, what, a fantasy coin game? war game where you're you know what why am i even trying sam tell us about root yeah so that was that was a good that was a good starter so i'd say only the otters like coins right (laughs) it is a it is a fantasy (laughs) war game that is fantasy war game that is highly uh inspired by the coin series of uh history war games that are coins short for counterinsurgency basically there is a government faction there are insurgent factions and they are going to get in a asymmetric battle um in this case it is very much uh victory point scoring but in the world of adorable little animals so there are uh cats versus birds versus uh uprising mice foxes and rabbits Versus one little annoying freaking raccoon, the Vagabond. And all of these factions are going to be going around scoring points differently. So the cats are going to be basically playing a game of Age of Empires. They're going to be building buildings, collecting wood, uh, moving that wood and trying to keep those supply lines uh, protected in order to score points by building all these different buildings. And then you've got the Eerie, who's like Zerg. They're going to be spreading around the board super, super quickly. Um, They just populate a lot of birds and they lay down the roosts uh, basically according to a a very, very complex decree um, that these little eerie leaders are like, hey, follow this decree to a T. And if you don't, we're going to fall into turmoil and you're going to have to change your leadership. And so they're playing their own game of programming. And then you've got the Woodland Alliance who's like, guys, we don't even have an empire. We're not even on the board, but pretty soon you're going to see us and you're going to fear the fact that we ever came into this woodland and they're going to be trying to like build up sympathy and clearings and eventually revolt, start a base, do some military operations. They're going to be fighting at night. Um, and then you've got the Vagabond who's annoying, um, but they're there and they play an RPG game during all of this, during a war game. There is one faction that is just playing an RPG 
and they are the most annoying faction ever. But they're going to go around, they're going to trade with other factions, they're going to fight other factions, they're going to unlock ruins, do a little exploration, do a little questing, and drive everyone insane. And that right there, folks, is Root. Those Can are I... only four factions. How many are there in the game now? <laughs> Ten. Ten. <laughs> Can I say that uh, as someone who knows Root, like I know how the game works, I know everything that you just told me, but hearing you say that, it's just like kind of re like it gets you excited. It's yeah. like hearing oh. <laughs> the theming and the reasoning why, like I, I, again, I know all that. That's I've played a lot of Root, but like just hearing someone explain it all again is like, oh man, yeah, yeah, they are the the Woodland <laughs> Alliance is coming out of nowhere. Like we're getting excited about. Like I'm just, I'm real into it, man. I, I want to yes. play Root now. Let's just quit and play Root. Um, I would love to do that right now. Yeah, let's just go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Board Game Box Office. <laughs> But sorry kenny no. yeah sorry no he's gonna play he just won't perfect like it. he'll be there he would just be sad so would you remove the vagabond from the game if you could no absolutely not no interesting okay would you yeah. remove some of the vagabonds from the game i would yeah i would remove some of them i i also i the found that they're <laughs> yes the harrier can go the tinker could go um and the arbiter really? would be Is great the tinker to get a problem though if you're playing More with like exiles stinker. and partisans I think so because really? the crafting okay. capabilities of that guy is just insane. Like the, I still feel like they're very powerful because being able to create, like, just think about the fact that crafting for the vagabond is just kind of broken in general. They are able to craft their own item, so then they're increasing their item economy, but they still score the victory points for the item that they crafted. So. Yeah. Not yeah. only are they now gaining the coin to get the extra card draw, they also got the three points for crafting it. So yeah. instead of another faction crafting that item and they having to give a card to get the item, but they don't get the points, which is much more fair. Any anytime the Vagabond crafts an item for themselves, it's like 10x better because it's like they got the points. They mm -hmm. also get the item yeah, um, and they get to immediately use the item that turn because it comes refreshed. So it's like, OK, crafted a sword, use the sword, takes out a, a, a cat in a building. That's three points. So unless you're playing with uh, Despot Infamy, which is what our group does now, um, mm -hmm. which is something that Cole Worley was even OK. If you don't know, that's the designer of the game. Uh, he said to play with this in the tournaments. So tournament games now use Despot Infamy, which is a way to basically fix the fact that they score way too many points fighting stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I would basically only play with that version if I could. I wish digital had it. Do you? Th yeah, okay. I was going to ask you, do you think they'll ever bring it to digital as an official option? I think when Cole Worley and the Leader Games team says this is an official tournament way to play i think it will be added okay. but i don't think it will be added until it's an official leader games thing instead of just cole being like yeah throw that in there for the tournaments I'm, yeah. I'm interested to see the results and the results are a lot more fair with what we've seen from testing from all the different tournaments that we've run um the vagabond feels more like a playable faction now instead of the the person at the table that everybody's like okay well we gotta send them to the forest twice or else yeah. we all lose send them to the forest once we have a chance you know like that's that's unfortunate mm. <laughs> absolutely i i think i think we've lost the th thread here because i think the real question here is rude actually a fantasy game kenny that was our next topic it's in the, it's in the <laughs> google docs remember we even titled it is it is this real life or is this just fantasy yeah yeah but we, we you gotta just get wanted to, to stop talking about root huh 
Well, kind of. But um, it doesn't really strike <laughs> me as a fantasy game. Does it really strike to you, to you all? So, Kenny, like, I have a question for you. Yes. Have you ever seen mice, birds, and cats have a full-on skirmish in the woodland fighting with blood and citadels and fortresses inside <laughs> that forest? Have you seen but, this happen in real life? But my question to you, do these, <laughs> do these woodland creatures have magic? They don't. Mm. They don't. Mm. That's a problem. But, but the fact that an animal is wielding a sword is magic in and of itself. It's kind of true. It's kind of true. Is it not? <laughs> yeah, Paddington is a fantasy this, movie. Okay. Does this make Everdale? Does this make Everdale a fantasy game? Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Yeah. No. I would say so. Yeah. Really? But okay, I feel well. like anthropomorphic animals in general, because like this is basically Narnia, but scrap the humans, right? So Aslan, you've got the beavers, you've got all those like animals that are I... literally in the story and stuff. But th- that was already fantastical. There, the humans are in a fantastical world filled with talking animals. <laughs> so I don't know. That's that's an interesting concept or Look. an interesting thought process, though. The cover of Redwall has the Arbiter on it, and True. it says, is a fantasy novel by Brian Jocks, published in 2000. It's so like, the um, Arbiter is literally on the cover of Redwall. I would throw it into the same world as, like, if, if, if Mice and Mystics, which is like a RPG fantasy game where you're playing as mice in this world, like, is, is fantasy, then I, I would consider Root fantasy for sure. Hey, uh, Kenny, I'm going to let you in on a little uh, secret. I really don't care if it's fantasy or not, but Sam's on the <laughs> podcast, so I felt like we had to talk about Root in one way or another. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's okay. fair. I, th- right. I, think it's, I think it's like 100% fantasy, but I maybe agree. that's... I didn't think that that was a hot take until Kenny's bringing me to this moment well, of Kenny life. Also now, I'm thinking like of, now I'm thinking about it, but before this, I was like, it's 100% a fantasy game, right? Yeah. <laughs> On the you subject know, of root, Kenny just has the wrong opinions. You know, you know, I, I've I've tried root so many times, but I just lose, lose, and lose, and it's like <laughs> that like, sounds I, like I a personal problem. Yeah, you know, maybe it, it is. No, you you won when you yeah, played you literally us. won in our game. That's true, but like I was getting coached, I was getting a lot, a lot of coaching. You I were. didn't real feel like you're real. That yeah. is that yeah. is we, helpful we to have like it. at an we earlier really stage of the game for sure. We weren't trying to quarterback; we were trying to let you win. <laughs> it's a game <laughs> it's a game that the more you give it the more you will get out of it for sure i think that's always been my like problem with the game it's just it is like a pretty much like a lifestyle game like to actually yes. get it you know and it's just hard for me to to grok it and yeah so. yeah it it's my favorite it's game of all time and i understand when people Same. don't like it yeah i do too i do too uh, random question. Speaking on the subject of lifestyle games, has nothing to do with fantasy games in general. Would you rather consume board games kind of the way that you do now, or if like given the opportunity, would you just commit yourself to like five games that you play for the rest of your life? Now you can kind of like swap those in and out, but not at free will because then it's just saying the same thing. But like for for me, for example, I love kind of lifestyle games so like i if i could like dude root blood on the clock tower dune imperium guards of atlantis 2 and too many bones like i'm in that's all i (laughs) like i'm so in on that i don't like obviously i'm still talking about like you can play little card games but as far as meeting up and playing games with your friends like if i could stick with those five pax Pamir, being like whatever 
I'm not naming my five right now, but like, dude, I would, I would like that. I think I really would. That's a video idea, Max. There you go. There you Name go. your five. Name your five. Yeah, I feel like it would be pretty anti my channel at the moment to disagree with that because I think my <laughs> general gaming tastes I tend to go for things that I feel like I can have a lifestyle with like or like deep rather than wide. Yes, because I I would much rather make multiple videos on like one game rather than uh, one video on every game I play. Uh, for the most part, that's like generally how my brain just ends up working. So I'd rather focus on one and really, really get deep, play it, you know, five to ten times minimum. And like, what makes this game tick? Like, it's it's in, almost in the same vein of like when you're reviewing something, it's really sad how many reviews are out there of people that only played the game one time. Uh, or even if they played the game two times, so they probably played it wrong the first time and they were figuring it out the second. So now they're reviewing a game that they've played one time right, one time wrong. And then there's somehow a professional on the game telling people, well, this is the problem with the game is that on the second half, it's completely unbalanced. It's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> okay. So I find that like to respect the game designers, to respect what I just my ethos in like board game reviewing and board game, you know, just my relationship with board games, really, it's just personal to me. I find that playing games multiple times and finding games that are able to do that where I'm not bored, where I'm not tired of it. Those are my favorite types of games, easily. Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys are going to be very impressed where Imperium lands on when I do my 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 top games of all time. I think, but yeah, I mean, it's another one of those games where I feel like I can genuinely just sit down and pretty much just play forever. I mean, there's 30 factions now, so it's going to take a freaking long time to yeah. really grok all of those. Uh, but I am fully wanting to. So yeah. Yeah, I, I, I certainly align closer to that uh, if I could, you know, given the circumstances. Mm -hmm. That's I, true. It's really hard to do that, especially with everyone being like, well, there's the new game, but what about yeah. this game? And I kind of get like a little bit of like embarrassment at conventions when everybody's talking about that they played like, uh, you know, all of these like 60 new releases. And I'm like, oh gosh, none of those interested me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't play any of them. Yeah. Well, and they're all just like, it was so good. It was so good. It was like, you played it once. I don't know. How well do you know this game? <laughs> I think my opinions have changed quite a lot in the past yeah. year where like I used to be really excited about a lot of new releases. Yeah. And now like when we, our most recent episode was 2024 anticipated movies and games. And like, I had to like legitimately do some research to find games because I don't, I don't back games on Kickstarter. I, I very rarely mm -hmm. buy games. I probably bought like five games or less in 2023. And so wow. for me personally, awesome. I'm just kind of like leaning it's okay, towards. Sam. He has me and Kenny. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. <laughs> okay. absolutely. Okay, okay, I there it is. Greatly like... from having other people who who acquire <laughs> games, and of course, we're sent some games as well. Um, sure. So that doesn't that doesn't hurt either. But like, I find myself more and more being like, man, we haven't played Dune Imperium and. In a yeah. year, like I'd really like to play that. We've had the Cosmic Frog Find Muck expansion for four months now. I haven't, I haven't played that, and it's just like I, I really just want to go back to the ones that I love. And I love playing new games. I really do. But yeah. like, if I had a, a choice in the matter, I think that I would play old games just like for a long time at least. Like I still want to play new games, no doubt about it. Same. But I would go back and play the same games for a while at least. I know Doolin is very much. A cult of the new he'd play a new game every I opportunity if he could games. yeah <laughs> i love i i just love learning games man yeah like, it's just like a like a it's like how uh danielle's super into books mm -hmm. like 
I I just love finding out like kind of like what Sam was saying, like how how does the game work? Mm-hmm. What are the ways that like I can go back to this game and play it differently? Like, is there that or is it just like a surface level game? And uh, I, I, I love that. I, I, and also trying to think like as I learn a game, like who is this for? Is it is it going to be just a solo game for me? Is it going to be for Max and Kenny? Is it going to be for just Emily and I? Is it going to be for my extended family that like mm-hmm. uh, plays lighter games? I lo- I love that. I I'm I think I'm, give me all of the new games. <laughs> I think loving yeah. learning games is pretty complimentary though uh of like liking to dive deep into games too because of course like reading mm-hmm. the rulebook and learning a game is one thing but to actually like understand any kind of intricacies mm-hmm. you kind of really like again I, there are many games where by the fourth play I'm like oh duh like you can do that yeah, like yeah yeah now yeah. this is definitely not really a great example because i've basically only played on board game arena but i've been really into caverna <laughs> lately and it, i've played i don't know six times in the past month or less at this point and uh the most recent game i was like oh that's what rubies do and like they're a big part <laughs> of the game i didn't even know that that was a thing i was like you can use this to do extra stuff i thought it was just points <laughs> like so there's just so much to unpack in games these days where i feel like i just I like as long as I like the game, I want to revisit it more and more. Mm. Kenny, what about you? Um, I I really like the 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 feeling of discovering games. So I I think it'd probably be more like with Doolin, you know, just because like there's just there's just so many new ideas coming out all the time. Mm. Some were bad, but I, I just love the feeling of like finding that special game that's new and just like you know, I I really do enjoy that, but. I think for me, like what I try to do is I try to find that one game that is like my lifestyle game. Um, and so like for me right now, that's Arkham Horror. And so like having hmm. like a separate group that like this is the game we play. That's all we play there, you know, once a week has kind of fills that need for me of like being able to deep dive and kind of experience like a game to its like full extent. You know, um, I think there, I think I do. I do think there's really something special in that, too. Yeah, I actually uh I think that's that's a really really good point. So my game group, we have like a a guys night where we we play root basically and that's all we play. Sometimes we'll rotate oath in there cuz we've got an oath game going on in there. Sometimes I'll throw in something crazy like John Company, but for the most part, we'll keep it with like certain types of games that I know that this group and me we enjoy these games. High negotiation, lots of yelling, uh war <laughs> game or business ownership. We just love that crap. So we we throw those games in there, and I think we've all gotten so much wiser uh, around these games. Like I would love to have like a TED talk with just like us. Like I'm sure you feel that way with like you and your group, Kenny. Of like, if you guys were asked about that game, Arkham Horror, you guys could probably talk about it just and never shut up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think there's value in that. I also love reading rule books, so I agree with you also, Duel. And like, I'll buy a new game, r- have the rule book by my bed. I'll read through the rule book, and I'll almost be like well that's that's that i'm so set now like i don't even have to play the game i loved reading the book and learning how that thing worked (laughs) but sometimes i'm like i don't really want to play it but i loved reading the rule book (laughs) (laughs) so i get that i get that it's like my reading books so that's why yeah yeah it's weird i just like reading rule books i've read the uh Oh, you guys don't even want to know how many times I've read the Root rulebook, but more more recently, something a little more tameable. I've read the John Company rulebook, I think, four times uh, all the way through just because I enjoyed reading it once. So I was like, I kind of want to just read it again. I'm going to read it. I don't know <laughs> that I... Like, dude, you're such a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm... I really uh, don't know that I've ever 
just like read a rule book like front to back mm. like start to finish oh, i love it i love I it know. dude it's so cool i i oh, don't yeah. there's some i don't have an imagination sam it's like i can't picture things <laughs> um so it makes it really difficult to like read a rule like just read a rule book like yeah. i kind of have to have a video or the game in front of me because it's sure. like go oh, do this and i'm like i i can't imagine what that is like i don't know how I that see, works i so see i i'm sure that that impacts that at least a little bit but all right, I think it's probably time we get into our future topic. But before we do that, I've rolled the dice twice, Sam. I've got two oh, more dice for you. Uh, oh. The first one, I want to know, what is your favorite curse word? Oh, that's really hard. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that is a, that's the one that stumped him. So do you want to give a... Do you want us to give you a situation, and then what? you you give your gut reaction to how how you react with the cuss word? There we go. That could work. Someone has ran over your copy of Root. What would you say? Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that would probably be the one. Doolin <laughs> Doolin walks in your room and says, <laughs> "Fill in the blank. I'm down. Do you want to?" <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, Definitely. there we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's the multi-use for me. You it know, really that's is. what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, it's no, there's the there's word. a lot of good uses there. Um, I find that it's comedically funny sometimes with the timing of mm -hmm. it. That one, it, it can it can really make a point come across really really well, even in a serious moment. But also in those moments where you're all laughing, a well-timed could be the most funny thing in a game oh, night. Yeah. It could be the most intense thing in like a TED talk. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I feel like it's very, you know, not to get deep in cuss words, but I feel like, you know, there's a lot of different ways to approach that word. So Agreed. I'm going to have to go with it. I'm going to have you, to go with it. Have you played freelancers yet? <laughs> no, I haven't. Okay. No, I've, I've seen it around a lot, though. I, I love the artwork. I will say that. I was playing with Jash and Doolin, uh, who do not have near the potty mouth that I do. And one of the uh, one of the things, like literally at the beginning of the game, it was like, it was like, give give you someone on your team a title if they have a foul mouth, and they were like, Max. <laughs> <laughs> And then that's like basically the game asking for consent to use curse words in its like oh, language, I think, wonderful. which is really interesting. I thought that that's was pretty cool. cool. Now, yeah, that's cool. We didn't experience it without that title, so I have no confirmation that it doesn't use them. But I can't, I can't imagine okay. a situation where they would be like, "Does this person, does a member of your group have the title potty mouth?" And then it's like, okay, <laughs> like I'm going to start using curse words in the, in the game. So I thought that was interesting. But uh, the next one that I rolled was what is your movie theater snack order? Oh, uh, it's a mug root beer, popcorn with no butter, sour patch watermelon. Uh, no butter? I don't get butter yeah, on my no, popcorn no, either. No, no butter on Max? popcorn. What? Dude, it messes with yeah. my bowels. I'm not going to lie to you. It's, <laughs> oh, it's it, brutal. It does me too, but it is so nice. If I want any chance of making it through the entire movie, I no butter, dog. No butter at all. <laughs> I need the liquidation to help it go down. Uh, that's the mug that's root the beer, bro. Yeah, what do you mean? <laughs> you, the butter is so liquidy, that's what's helping it slide down your throat? No, I mean, I also just love the butter taste. Well, let's I mean, be real. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. I don't, I don't, that's me, I like, I think it's too, for me, I'm just not like a huge fan of how wet it is, so I, I just oh, prefer see, I don't the dry, salty popcorn, I don't know, I'm weird. 
no, love, I'm with you. Love I'm with popcorn. You. Ugh. All right, let's talk about the Green Knight. Uh, Sam, you specifically <laughs> chose this movie. This is one of yes. your favorite movies of all time. Uh, and yes. rather than try my hand like I did so poorly with Root, I'm just going to allow you to take the take the moment here to tell us a bit about what the Green Knight is. Yeah. So, yeah, this is. Uh, I've thought about it a lot, and I think it lands. I think it lands in my top five. If it's not oh, in my top wow. five, then it's in my top seven or so. So it's really close, even if it's not in my top five. But it's tricky because like my little movie things kind of roll around. But getting off track. So The Green Knight <laughs> is a 2021 film release uh, by David Lowry. Um, this is the same director as Pete's Dragon, if you didn't know. Uh, they also did a ghost story. Um, they yeah, also did uh, a Peter Pan on Disney+. Plus. So that's two kids movies and two movies that will make you think really tough. <laughs> like really <laughs> a lot of freaking deep thoughts. Uh, so The Green Knight, though, is an adaption of the book of the same name, The Green Knight. It is a book set in Arthurian legend and lore about one of the Knights of the Round Table, Sir Gawain, essentially not having had a moment where he has proven himself a knight. He is still kind of the one at the round table who's not really able to tell any tall tales yet about himself. Um, a green knight comes walking in and this character in, you know, fictional lore has been described as a literal green knight or, you know, nature itself um, comes in, walks in and has kind of a game that he wants to play. Basically says any knight should strike him. And if they do strike him, um, he will strike them back in the same spot. Uh, essentially, uh, oh, sorry, a hundred days later, or sorry, no, a year later, mm -hmm. a year henceforth. Yeah. My gosh. Next Christmas. Next Christmas, a year henceforth. And this is on Christmas, by the way. So guaranteed a Christmas movie, but we'll get to yeah, that. True. Um, so, so uh, Sir Gawain, being the young, strapping young man he is, uh, thinks, well, I will outsmart the Green Knight. I will take a sword. Uh, this is not really spoiler territory. The Green Knight legend has been around forever. I'm right now quoting the Green Knight legend, not even the movie. Um, <laughs> grabs the sword, cuts off the Green uh, the Green Knight's head, and thinking that he was so clever because he was like, well, now the Green Knight won't be able to strike me back, so I'm good. <laughs> and he's like waiting for all this applause, um, but everybody's really sad. It's kind of like a really sad moment because in, in a way he kind of failed the game at that moment because then the Green Knight... Uh, stands up without the head um, and says, I'll be back <laughs> and you better come and meet me uh, so that I back. can return the blow um, one year hence, essentially. So the movie is about Sir Gawain, Dev Patel's character, journeying to then meet the Green Knight a year later um, to be at that point at which he can receive the blow, um, receive the strike from the Green Knight back. Uh, <laughs> yeah so um there's a really really good cast in this movie uh we've got alicia vikander as essel barry keoghan as the scavenger sean harris as king arthur joel edgerton as the hunter um what was his name freaking freaking great actor as the green knight itself ralph it's the guy ralph from the witch ralph innocent ralph innocent as the uh the green knight um such a good voice. yes yeah. This is beautiful friggin' voice. Um, this movie is, I don't even know if I should start talking about it yet. Cause I should probably be the last person maybe, or maybe I should talk about it first. Well, that's but, okay. Let's uh real quick. Yeah. Um, yeah. before we get into any spoilers, because if people are listening to this 
and they're kind of curious whether they should watch it or not. Um, let's go around the round table briefly. Mm. And uh, do you recommend it or no? What do you rank it? And maybe just a, a note or two uh, without diving into spoilers, just a note or two that you want to share about the Green Knight. Um, we can start with you, Sam, if you don't mind. Just your ranking. Do you yeah. recommend it? And just a couple notes and then pass it off. What are our rankings? Are we doing star system? Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, my ranking for the film is five stars. And I would say that this is a movie that I recommend if you are willing to engage with it mm-hmm. um, into a movie that is very thought provoking and I think has so much more than um, at first at first watch or at first value or face value. I think you could leave it and think it was just a weird movie. Um, when you look deeper, I think it is a beautiful character piece, and mm-hmm. um, I, I just I think it's a perfect film. You should watch it. Doolin. I gave it a four out of five, it, and that that to me is high praise. Um, I really liked it. Uh, I didn't expect to, and the first time I watched it, I came away from it. Uh, I think I think I was rushing, unfortunately, and mm-hmm. so it was a little slow to me. And at the end, I didn't really like I, again had to move on to another film because Kenny picked it and then he switched it at the last second <laughs> after I'd already started watching it. So, uh, <laughs> and, and so I was like, I don't even have to, I don't even have to think about this movie. And and so, but watching it again today, uh, I thought about it more. I knew what the ending was going to be and that actually helped me like it more. Um, and uh, again, like you said, I think, if you're willing to give it the time, because again, some of the times, especially the first watch, I I was like, all right, let's let's get it. Let's come on, let's go to the next thing. Um, but if you're if you're willing to really like sit in its pace, uh, its pacing, uh, there it, it it's very rewarding uh, and and good movie. Yeah, I'll get uh, I'll get bullied because I call movies patient sometimes, and though sometimes patience does equate equate to boring. Uh, there are other times in movies where it does not at all, in my opinion. And this is one of those movies that I think uh, totally agreed with you, Sam. I feel like we're on a very similar wavelength for for a lot of things, uh, movies maybe included, where uh, there are plenty of movies that I love that I know full that if you sit down to watch it and you're not in the right headspace or you're just not ready to like kind of commit to it, you'll probably hate it. And some people would probably be like, well, Max, stop picking bad movies. But like, I really love (laughs) and connect with these movies, but like, you just kind of have to meet it at its own terms. And some people uh, aren't either. They don't want to do that. Or sometimes you're just not ready for that. Uh, I mean, there's, there've been plenty of movies that I've sat down to watch. I sat down to watch a movie just the other day. I I wanted to watch Dr. Strange love and I got like 15 minutes into it. And I was like, it's not that this is like not entertaining me at all, but I'm just like not in a comedy mood. I'm just really not like, I don't, I'm just really not in the mood to laugh. <laughs> like, so I just turned it's it fair. off and I was like, I'll come back to it another time. Um, and this is definitely one of those, but I, I gave it a four out of five. It is one that I want to revisit. I've only seen it once. Um, and I think that, uh, I think Kenny will probably tell even more, but I think that there's, there's more than meets the eye and I think it deserves a second watch. So I, I'm really excited to, to see this again, but yes, I, I wholly recommend you check it out. Um, and I gave it uh, a five out of five. I, I love this movie. Mm. Um, I, for me, it was like, it was really, really refreshing to see um, a fantasy movie that isn't like an epic um, movie or like a family friendly kids movie. It's really refreshing to see like a, a fantasy movie that is strictly fantasy and this uh, has like, is visually striking and like narratively challenging. And, you know, it requires a lot from the viewer to kind of like, understand it and 
understand the concept, understand the characters. Um, it's it's like we, we see a lot within like sci-fi, like uh, kind of like the sister genre gets a lot of movies like this. But this is like the first time I've ever seen a fantasy movie, like, like a like a hard fantasy movie, get this kind of treatment, and that's something I really loved about it. Gosh, I love that explanation of it, Kenny. I I do. I think that's like the best way to describe of how like it is a it's like a tough movie to watch almost because it's it's dealing with um well for one i don't are we able to talk about spoilers or uh now that we've all kind of given our thoughts we'll go ahead and, okay. and dole out a spoiler warning that sure if you sure do sure not want to hear any more about this movie it's probably time <laughs> you turn the podcast off uh That's you won't fair. miss much and then just come back <laughs> after you've seen it so you can hear all our incredible thoughts that we're going to share on it uh but yeah so spoiler warning right now tune out if you don't want to hear any spoilers and go right ahead with what you wanted to say sam yeah, uh, so I think the 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 thing that I think is most interesting for one is that the trailers unfortunately did this movie a disservice. Um, I'll start off by saying that uh, they posed it as some like action, uh, violent oh, um, wow. action movie, like literally an action fantasy film. Um, a lot of frames were on the giants and the 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 hunter hunting which doesn't even happen on screen it's like why would you show yeah. that it's a very small part of the movie but okay um and it was like tailored to be like the, some sexy fantasy high action high octane uh movie it is not that it is an a24 film by david lowry the same director who did ghost story <laughs> I feel so bad for the people that were going in there being like, I can't wait for the next, you know, like crazy action film. Yeah. <laughs> like the next Lord <laughs> of the Rings, you know, I, that is literally furthest that this movie could be. Um, I think that the reason why it is so tough is because what we're seeing really on screen right before our eyes is a knight who is truly not being a knight. He is, he's not being worthy. Mm. He's mm -hmm. not, doing the right things he's presented with all of these challenges that would seem so easy for anyone to do but he's choosing the the wrong choice or the selfish choice for example just from the first scene where he sees the scavenger and the scavenger's like do you have any money he's like no he's like are you a knight he's like no he's like <laughs> he's just denying everything like denies his knighthood denies the fact that he's gonna pay him anything could have paid him more gives him a penny gets punished for it gets robbed by the same guy um that's just like the first test and he fails it immediately and we're <laughs> introduced to this character who's starts the movie off in a brothel uh is in love with a lady who he's not you know married to obviously sleeping with her um essel he's going to church then he's coming back smelling or he's going to church smelling like wine and and alcohol and his mother's like come on man like <laughs> <laughs> like we're introduced to this knight but we're like this is not this is not like the tales of knights that we hear of mm -hmm. you know great acts of chivalry this is a very different um sir gawain and i i love this interpretation of him so much yeah he's just like a spoiled kid yep. you know? yeah and he's just he goes on this journey to like unlock you know the goodness inside of him but like i said he just fails at every point you know like, my, my, fa my, my favorite <laughs> is that when he's at the the lake and he's just like the the i think what i forget her name the uh lady winifred yeah if i she's do this like, what are you gonna get <laughs> what are you gonna give me yeah, or yep. she's like, you don't touch me. Knights don't do that. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just, it's like there's an expectation in this world of like what knights are, and he just cannot live up to it. One thing I want totally. to call attention to, and Kenny, I, I can't take credit for this. You sent a video to me that 
that the person who made the video shared this uh, information, which I thought was genius. It's it's front and center. It's right in front of you the whole time, but it's not really anything you recognize, at least not for me, is that this guy is so unlikable that the casting of Dev Patel as Gawain was like so crucial to give you a character that is like incredibly unlikable, but behind such a charismatic actor that like makes you want to root for him regardless of how poorly he's doing. And you're like, this dude is like worthless. Yeah, like he's not doing anything right, <laughs> but somehow I still want him to succeed. Like internally, yeah. you're just still hoping that he can overcome his deficiencies uh, because it is just such a, a a warm face, I guess, where like Dev Patel really just nails that role, in my opinion. And I think mm. they're I think they're able to accomplish that too because the way they wrote uh, the way they wrote him is that he is he is a spoiled kid he's like he's failing constantly but he's also like naive and mm-hmm. he's a character that like you kind of like uh like even when he's like uh talking about like what do you want and tell us your story like he doesn't have anything it's just he you kind of yeah. i think it's easier to empathize mm-hmm. with that the fact True. that like this is a this is a kid that doesn't know who he is or what he wants yeah. and i think we've you know growing up we all kind of are there you know um, so it's a lot easier to empathize with them. But I think, like you said, Deb Patel does an amazing job in this movie. So. I'm I'm with you, hundred percent. Like you guys are talking about how he failed and like all of that was important for me. But like I don't I maybe I'm just a failure because I empathize with him a lot. Oh. <laughs> like as as he Same. went on, I I it was just constantly yeah. like I was like oh you know like the, like he has this like expectation of what night night should be. And like every time, like especially when uh, he meets the lady who wants to, him to get her head, yeah. um, when she's like, "Why did you ask me that? Like, why would you ask me that?" You could see like on his face, he's like, "Oh, I shouldn't have." And and then he still does it. Like he does. Like he's trying. Like uh, and that the attempt there is 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 great. And I, I love seeing him progress because it's very clear what he wants. Like he wants to be this way he doesn't he's not really naturally this way but he's still trying to be you know um yeah see you're making the mistake of of thinking that if a character is not great then i don't empathize with them when in fact it's quite the opposite uh (laughs) any character that's that's not great i empathize even more with them uh from a point of point of view uh but one thing before we get too into it i i thought about this at the beginning when kenny was explaining the green knight is uh sam you're are you a big blade runner guy Yes, I, I love Blade Runner. I feel like Blade Runner 2049 and Green Knight are somewhat similar. They have some similarities, definitely. Like, I, I guess I never really thought about that. But the moment that you mentioned that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see. I could see that. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a movie that's hyped up to be something very different. Right. Or like you could see it going in a different direction. But really, at its core, it is a very small character piece. Yeah, um, exactly. It's about the main character and then the ending expectations of like, oh, what's going to happen at the end of this movie? Both are kind of left to be a little bit thought provoking because, mm-hmm. you know, we find out at the end of Blade Runner 2049 that he's not even <laughs> crap, you know, and, and Green Knight at the end of the movie. It's obviously very um, I am curious to hear you guys thoughts on that, but we'll get there. But, you know. Yes. I, I definitely see that um, as a. Uh, I, I definitely thought. see that as a uh, good comparison. Yeah, almost. just a quick aside. It was interesting though um, when you mentioned at the beginning. I actually read the this the strike on the Green Knight a little differently than you did. Um, whereas you said oh. he kind of did it as like 
uh, like trying to beat him, trying to beat the Green Knight at his own game. And maybe you're right. In my single viewing of it, I took it as like he didn't even really care about the ramifications of him having to receive the return blow. He was just like, eh, I'll figure it out in a year's time and did it because he was like a bit cocky and arrogant. Like it wasn't to me, it wasn't mm-hmm. like I'm going to beat this guy. It was like, I'm going to show off and I'll deal with the repercussions later. Is kind of how I interpreted that. Yeah, but. I think uh, so. When I was given the little synopsis, I was kind of mixing in mostly the book stuff. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I think yeah, yeah, because I think that he's he's thinking he's being very clever with the fact that he's thinking he's outsmarting the Green Knight gotcha. in a way of like, well, if I just chop off the Green Knight's head, then I can't get a strike back. Yeah. So I've won. I've beat the game, right? Sure. So he thinks he's very <laughs> clever in that moment. But um, I, I actually, it is interesting because I think that in the movie, I do agree that there's a different thing there. Um, I don't think that he's thinking he's being like some crazy clever person. I think he's Just doing what he thinks he's expected yeah, to do. No, yeah. I, th- I truly yeah. think, I truly think he's feeling the pressure of everyone around the table being like, I've just, I think I have to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the guy knelt down and put his head out, <laughs> right? Like, like, yeah, no, <laughs> it's I, a trap. I, I, I felt the same. Yeah, I was like, I, I and, and literally, the king as he's jumping across the table is like, okay, do you understand? Like, it's a game. Like, you understand like the rules, right? And he's like, oh yeah, I think I do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he does that. I'm like, I, I, I was sitting there like thinking as I was watching. I was like, what would I do in this situation? I'm like, I think I'd punch him in the yeah, face. Yeah, just scratch him. <laughs> just scratch him. <laughs> And and he says like you're you know when in one year time we'll I'll return the blow and then we'll shake hands and we'll walk away as friends and I was like that sounds great we'll we'll I'll, I'll get this guy's axe like we're gonna be buddies like all this sounds great why did you chop his head off <laughs> what was what was the point there um, but yeah no all of that too I want to I just want to say like around that scene sorry Kenny I'll pass it to you I promise but like the the scariness of the the creature was so good mm. uh like when she breaks the seal and reads it and like mm. his voice yeah, oh great. my gosh sifting such through a good scene. yeah the, the overlay oh. that's so good freaking Anyways. perfection um, yeah and i think like well i think this guy also kind of revealed a bit of his character too like i think a reason why he chopped off the guy's head uh, the green knight's head is because he wanted the fame he wanted the glory like you know he wanted to be mm. he wanted to feel like a knight without actually having to do anything sure. nightly um i think like maybe he thought at that moment like okay well they're cheering for me i'm a knight now um but i think the people the elders around them realize no you have to go on a journey you have to actually um you have to see this through mm-hmm. all the way um which you know isn't really explicitly said but like is always implied like 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 you know because he was having the conversation with the um his girl and it's just it's like you don't That's have so, yeah. to do this right it's just uh but he 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 was compelled to because i think it was expected of him you know before we move past the first 20 minutes uh it's, <laughs> it's heavily implied that his mom like was half the reason the green knight came or that that he was coerced into <laughs> getting like oh i thought it was 100 percent right i mean that's i do yes. too i just want to make sure that i'm on the same page as you all there like yeah. it shows so that. yeah so so his so this is a change to arthurian lore but um in this in this version of uh david lowry's arthurian interpretation which i actually love this um gawain's mother is lady morgana that is not the case in actual arthurian lore but in this movie his mother is Morgana, which is crazy because Morgana is known as the witch or the really uh, 
kind of one of the main um, antagonists in Arthurian lore. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we see is one of the things that I love about the cutting, uh, the, the editing of that scene is that you see her and her witch sisters basically in that tower. They're literally, it, it's past tense. They're, they're, they're casting that spell to summon the green knight who is then walking in. Mm-hmm. It's it's very cool the way they do that. At least that's the way I interpret it. I'm sure there are other people's interpreting it, but uh, to me, the thing that's most obvious, the reason why it's actually them casting that, is the sprout that comes out of the dirt yeah. mm-hmm. during yeah, yeah, yeah. the yep. the ritual that they're making. And the moment that that sprout comes out of the dirt, you see the green knight, I think, in the next frame coming up and through the doors. Um, so and their I notes find that like- to be flame out the exact same way yeah i was, yep, I was exactly nearly yeah. certain that was the case i just wanted to kind of get confirmation from my fellow yeah, viewers here because yeah because what i think is i think morgana is also feeling the pressure that hey you know my son sure <laughs> hasn't hasn't done anything very cool um let's give him an opportunity yeah. this you know christmas day everybody's gonna be there my mom would let's, really connect let's... with her <laughs> yeah <laughs> so would mine man <laughs> She'd find her the most sympathetic character in the movie. Right. So this is kind of a, a kind of leads to a point. Like where the, an issue maybe like a smaller issue I had with the movie is that like the, the movie doesn't really do a good job of like introducing you to these characters. Like like you don't really you know, they don't really tell you that, oh, this mom is a his mom is Morgan Le Fay or uh that this is Merlin or this is like uh mm. you know, everyone is just no, there's only there's only so, so few characters that actually have actual names mm-hmm. or, or introduced. Every you kind of have to kind of go in with this knowledge of like who these people are and like how they fit into the legend um, to kind of make heads and tails of things. Yeah. You know, it's it requires a lot, uh, kind of like some homework you have to do almost beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually interesting. So for me, um, and, and this is coming from I think this is a bias for me because this is coming from somebody who loves Arthurian legend. Uh, so I came in with that. Like, I'm watching the movie. I love Arthurian legends so much. So for me, um, I almost loved the fact that they did that. Like, I would almost say that for me, it was a positive. Because I loved the fact that they never once named Merlin. But mm-hmm. you're like, that was totally yeah. Merlin. But to, yeah, other, people, vibes, right? to yeah. other people, they were like, probably like, that doesn't really matter, does it? Because the thing is, is like, those characters don't really matter right. the same way. But for those sure. people that do know... It's cool to be like, holy crud, that's freaking Merlin. Wait a second, <laughs> that's Excalibur. That's King Arthur's sword. And then yeah, you go yeah, to the yeah. soundtrack and you're like, wait, the the little motif that plays every time he holds Excalibur, it's called Excalibur, freaking dying over here. But they don't need to know that, right? Like, <laughs> it could just be King Arthur's sword. But to me in the audience, I was like, God, this is so freaking cool, dude. <laughs> yeah. So that is interesting, though, because like I wonder if people are missing a part of the story not knowing that it's Morgan Le Fay. You know, like are they are they missing that aspect? For me, I thought it was cool as like an Easter egg, but I would be interested to hear somebody who didn't know that that was you know a, a very big antagonist. I guess in David Lowry's version, it seems that King Arthur and her are actually on speaking terms at the moment. So. There must this must be at some different time frame or some alternate version of uh, yeah. Arthurian legend, because eventually her actual son in the legend kills King Arthur. So there's a lot of things switched because that would be Mordred. So they switched that with Gawain. So I don't know what he's what he's doing. <laughs> Is Gawain gonna kill King Arthur now? <laughs> That'd be cool. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Some crazy. Some, yeah, maybe I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think um, one of the things was uh, uh, the five virtues of the night. So the like the Pentagon mm. of the night. Um, they're all wearing that in the beginning scene. I thought that was really cool because not only am I an Arthurian nerd, but I'm also just a huge nerd of knighthood and being like a knight. Like I think one of my biggest dreams as a kid was I wanted to be a knight. Uh, my mom bought me books about making coat of arms um the five virtues of being a knight like all these like you know nerdy things that you do i got a sword for my 18th birthday because that was the thing that i thought would make me as close as i could possibly be to a knight was to own a freaking sword and just be knighted by my dad like so my dad (laughs) knighted me it was just like a thing like i i wanted to do it um this is to the commitment of me spending overnight at my church praying because knights did do that before they were knighted, and I did do that. <laughs> um, so just to give you guys some concept of how freaking nerdy and passionate I am about this, um, I did all this stuff because I am so interested by it, and so I want to be in that space. Um, so going into the movie, uh, all to say, going into the movie, I knew what the what the five virtues of being a knight were, and they paint them perfectly in the movie on all of his different tests and challenges mm-hmm. um that would be friendship generosity uh piety courtesy chastity all of those being kind of shown as the tests that he fails um mm-hmm. but each of those being a specific test like he does not have the generosity to just go get her head right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or give uh, more to that uh or give the, more to that yeah. the scavenger boy Barry Kogan's creepy little creepy Dude, little character. He's always so he always comes in as a creepy little character. <laughs> yeah, so weird. <laughs> and then he was given a movie Saltburn. But yeah, no, it's just <laughs> I love love his little performance in it. It's wonderful. But yeah, I love how he fails all of them because in the book this is something that is very very different. Um, and I like both takes. I I've come out of it that I love both takes. In the book, he succeeds every single test going through. So he is super generous. He does not fall to piety. He is um he's he's very much like a perfect knight. But then at the very very end, he fails. Yeah, it's like whereas the in this version, yeah, in this version, uh, they they flip it and make him fail at every single test, and then they show the ending of the movie, which is intriguing to say the least, because mm-hmm. they th- one of the most brilliant scenes, in my opinion, um, is that seven or so minute segment where it's just music, yes, and we see the potential of him basically yeah. running away from the Green Knight, not yeah. not mm-hmm. taking the strike. Uh, I think that's one of the most perfect pieces of television that we've gotten in the last like five years. <laughs> I like I genuinely I I could watch that scene over and over. I think every frame is perfect. I think the music is perfect. The end but, of that section. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. when he takes off the bell yes. and then the head falls off, it's like, dude, I am like, God, dude, I could gloat about that scene forever. I guess I am curious. <laughs> um, I'm I'm curious as to what your guys' thoughts are on the end because I'm sure. We could keep talking about the middle too. I'm just, I am curious, like once he gets there, all of that, like, what do you guys think happened? I guess. I've gone back and forth actually. Um, and I do fully, I, I think we should, I have more that I want to say about the middle, but I'm happy to take this aside to, to talk about this too. But I've gone back and forth where when the movie first ended, I was like, okay. Uh, so he spared his life. I was like, he spared his life and he's, he's gone on. 
and that's what it is. Um, and my wife, who watched it with me, uh, was adamant that no, that like he did kill him. And I was like, no, <laughs> like that's not it. Like, come on, that's not it. And the more I think about it, though, the more I I begin to question what actually happened and I, I love ambiguous endings i love things that give you time to think about the movie after the movie is over um but in particular the the one thing that kind of has me coming back to this is the line where he says uh, maybe not a direct quote but we'll, we'll shake a hand we'll shake hands and walk away as friends or something like that basically and it's like if he's if you're like walking away together to me that implies that maybe he did like kill him and that there is more to him in legend now like maybe he's going to appear i don't i don't quite know exactly what that reference is if anything but like in my head if they're gonna walk away as friends then he couldn't have just let them walk back home because then they wouldn't like they're not at that point in time they are separated and he's gone back to live as a knight and the green knight is alone once again so i've i've really flip-flopped on that i i'll i'll tell you I I mean I'm always the optimist, but I I think he spared him um, for one reason, and it's it it goes back to the mom. Um, and if this is her mm. whole concoction, um, I think what she really wanted not only from her son is that for him to like go out and have this like this moment, but I think she wanted him to grow right. Like she she saw that he was wasting his potential. It's like, Oh yeah, you really smell like you've been in church. Like <laughs> you've been drinking like the communion <laughs> wine, like everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it's just very clear. Like, I, I know that like, you know, there's plenty of moms in movies, especially horror films that are not good moms and, uh, and, and would kill their sons, I guess. But I, in my mind, I think this was <laughs> like when the, the tonal shift, right? Like, uh, and I love the ending so much. Uh, I love him choosing to take the belt off that his mom made. Um, and just to say, OK, th- this this is it. I'm I'm accepting that I made this choice. I need to let this happen. I'm not going to flee and pretend like it didn't happen. I'm going to accept it. And then. The tree, I, I I forget exactly what the Green Knight says, but it's something to the effect of like, "Good, good job, Knight. Like, like, well done. Like, you did a good job." And and then like the playful, like, like, all right, off with your head. Yeah. Like, it was like almost joking, right? Like in a joking tone. I don't think that the the Green Knight would get up and then be like, "All right, like, <laughs> and it's over." Like in my mind, it just felt like that was the finality of it. Um, and that was him losing his head was that moment. And, um, that was it. So, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. Uh, I, I don't like, I think the main thing is cause like your mom's not going to send you on a death mission to just, we're never, never going to come back. We hope not. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I hope not. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, I, I, cause I think like the, the importance of, for him was just having that moment where he, he realizes that he would rather die than be a poor ruler, right? And I think having that moment is kind of like what the whole thing was about. Um, and I think like I, th- I didn't catch this, but apparently there's an end cre- post credit scene. Yeah, um, there is. Oh, yep. really? Yep, yeah, there is it, a there's a small little scene. I was going to wait to see if somebody would mention it. Yeah, and I think that that kind of points to like no, he 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 survived and he um, based basically went on to live his life 
whatever it was. Right? Yeah, I didn't see the post credit uh, scene. The scene. Yeah. Oh no! So so the so so the scene is also very debated because some people really love that the scene exists and some people hate that the scene yeah. exists because it confirms something that will either make you happy or not happy. I guess. Um, what I will say just to talk about the concept of the mother. Um, I kind of see it a slightly different angle because for me, I think she created the challenge and I think that the challenge did like the game really did have stakes, but I think her giving that green belt nullified those stakes because she wanted her son to live. So I think that her son choosing to take off the belt was him almost defying his mother and mm. letting himself up to mm. no, no, I really can't be. I can't cheat this too. Like, I'm not going to take your little cheat code, mom. Like, I am not honorable and I want to be honorable. And me mm -hmm. wearing this belt that you gave me makes me dishonorable. And my, yeah. my reality, if I keep this on, is going to lead me down a dishonorable path that will just continue and continue and yeah. continue yeah, 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 until yeah. the point where everybody walks away from me and I am alone. And so I think him taking off the belt is almost a defiance of his own mother, at least the way that I view it. Um, because she's like, creates the game to make him look good, but also is like, Hey, yo, don't actually die though. I'll give you the belt so that you don't actually die. Just come back alive. You know, I, I love you. I just want you to get the glory, you know, Gosh, it's an interesting, different angle to it. I know. I just, but like, for me, that's the way that I kind of see it now. And I've watched the movie quite a few times now. So I've watched it four, four times. The one thing I did pick up on at the end, um, which again, after my initial viewing, I was like, yes, he's definitely alive. It's just the way that the Green Knight says off with your head sounds to me like a like a get out of here more than like a I'm going to kill you type thing. Um, like he tells him yeah. to like leave with his head intact, perhaps. Um, but again, yeah. I, I've I've flip flopped. I've not landed on like a concrete decision here. And that's uh, the thing. I, I don't believe that the head was chopped off. Um I, I just believe that he he almost surpassed the hereditary curse that his mother That's a almost different movie about gave heads him. chopping off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. his mother was was yeah seriously, uh, his mother was trying to kind of incorporate that that magic of him not actually having stakes with this challenge and him kind of taking off the belt was him saying, "I am actually going to do the honorable thing." Mm -hmm. I am now surpassing my family's kind of past of being deceitful and, and not doing the, the honorable Ugh. thing. Um, that's the way that I see it. I think I see it him as he's truly growing, but then we get the, we get, we get the end scene, which has some, <laughs> some interesting. Uh, so I guess all of us want to kind of have this idea that maybe he would return and get with Essel because he loves her. Um, but now I kind of see the movie differently in a way that I don't think he ever actually loved her. I think that, I think that he enjoyed having sex with her. Some company. Um, and I think that she was kind of just that to him, whereas she wanted more out of that from mm -hmm. him, which she clearly states when, when she's like, mm -hmm. would you make me a lady? It's like, <laughs> it's like, really okay, good. she wants, she wants him. Um, but I feel like he can't answer that question mm -hmm. because he, he isn't convinced that he's in love with her. I don't think I agree. Um, and so what the end scene kind of confirms, interestingly enough, was that he did not have a son. He had a daughter and that daughter has orange hair 
like the woman, the queen that he ends up marrying in the alternate um, version of history that he saw when he marries that that woman with orange hair. Was was the the lady with orange hair? Is that who or who are you? Yeah, the lady with orange hair that he ends up marrying um, probably politically in the dream sequence. Yeah, yeah. um, That he like says, goodbye, Essel, I have to do this for the kingdom now. I have to marry her. So in the small little sequence, we see a little girl, I believe, with orange hair who's holding his crown, essentially. Mm. Um, it's just totally very quick that. snippet. She's like playing with the crown. So I think that confirms at least. Could I be? Am I wrong about the orange hair? I really hope I'm not. I'm like just telling all of this. I, I that's know. what I remember. I've only watched the scene like once. I, say, the I just snippet. watched it, but I didn't see her. I didn't notice her hair. I thought okay. it was blonde, but you know, it's okay, so pretty close. So. Yeah, yeah. I would it would definitely be pretty hard to believe that he had that kid with Essel with the brown hair and his dark complexion complexion um because they gave the son being like of his complexion see it looks like she has so I feel like it looks like she has dark hair to me am I dumb really oh no am I dumb no it's probably true this is my like dude literally I think I watched that ending I think she has brown hair um but I don't know okay at least it confirms he's alive yeah that's what right. So right. We, we know. one thing I just realized, just a little bit of trivia. I don't think it really has any impact on the story, but I did not realize that the person who played the lady and the person who played Essel are the same actress. Uh, what? Yeah. You didn't realize? No, that? I didn't realize that <laughs> in, in, in throughout the movie. I had no idea that that was the same person. I just didn't make that connection. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, interestingly enough, who knew? Yeah. Ale- Alicia Van. I, I knew that because pausing the uh, Amazon. It, it told <laughs> yeah. me oh, who the actors mm. and actresses were. They don't, do they not look alike to you guys? I mean, I guess they do if I'm I, looking at a side by side, but like they're completely yeah. different characters. So like my mind never even thought to question yeah, whether yeah. they were the same person or not. It, when I when I saw it, I had a different moment. I was like, wait, this is very like the deja vu moment. Um, mm. But yeah, but also I paused and it's like, oh, okay. That, that See, I sense. watched the physical <laughs> media. It didn't tell me. This, it doesn't have the little x-ray thing. Um, you should watch it in 4K. <laughs> so I do have an interpretation of that, too. Oh, Kenny, you should go first, though. No, yeah. No, I was, was going to ask, like, what... Because that, that's such an interesting choice to do. Like, I think kind of shows, like, his... I don't know. He, he It shows, like, he can't be with Essel because she she's not a queen, right? And so viewing her as, as his queen is just kind of, like, his ultimate fantasy. Um, but I, I'd be curious, what did y'all think? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. So so I think the reason why basically they use the same actress was because if his mother's really building this test for him, she knows probably who he's sleeping with. Let's yeah. <laughs> make the lady that's going to tempt him the most and basically challenge him to not stumble, which we know this happens in the movie. <laughs> very clearly. There's a very shocking, there's a very clear <laughs> shocking sequence. Yeah. Um, but he, I think, I think it doesn't make it easy that her look is so similar to the girl that mm-hmm. he's been sleeping with um, in the whorehouse that he, that he starts the movie in. Um, and I think that's very much on purpose to just be another, basically another challenge. Like this is not the same person, but they look like her. Um, and she's a married woman probably shouldn't do that bro um well there you go <laughs> fails that fails that one too so <laughs> mm-hmm. now in the original story I, yeah. the lord is the green knight is that that's correct correct right? yeah and i i believe they also hint to that in this movie too there is a very yeah there's a very small small sequence where 
the Green Knight is looking uh, after you watch this movie many times, there's just more and more stuff that I've found. But there's this small sequence that I couldn't get out of my head and I've even gone back to look at it. There is a very small editing change where his face his complexion, the Green Knight, as he's looking down from the Green Cathedral, the light shows on his face in this little way and it almost has like this watery effect of movement. And his face actually contorts to Joel Egerton's face for a split second and then goes back. I'm not joking. Like it's in there. I, like it, it changes wow, his face to the that. hunter for almost a split second. It, it changes. It's very or cool. If I did see it, I didn't um, so, recognize it at the very least. But yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's just a nod to the original tale. I don't think, I mean, there might be something to deem yeah. from it, but I think it's, it's a nod because that is exactly, uh, the, the, the basic like trick that is being pulled sure. is that it's the same character. One of the, but yeah, I one of the things that I, that. uh, thought was it's it's my favorite scene in the movie or one of my favorite scenes in the movie but also think it's a very important uh scene which again i know kenny you're at least aware of this i i i clocked it and then saw it also in uh just like a, a video essay on the green knight is that scene after he is robbed by barry keoghan and his his friends uh and basically he's tied up laying there on the ground and it kind of has a very long slow 360 pan in which the seasons change and like you start hearing like flies buzz and it's basically like mm. this is what happens to to him if he doesn't take action and it, you you know what's happening the whole time you're watching this 360 pan you can you can see and you're like i'm going to see a dead body when this fully 360s and of course you do it's it's skin it's bones just sitting there lying down but then it, it sits for a second and it begins a rewind essentially and kind of takes you back around 360 the other way. And then you're, you're taken back to a, it's, it's almost like the same scene as the end where it like shows you, this is an yeah. alternate yeah, yeah, path yeah. as to what could actually happen. And this is the mm -hmm. path that would happen if he didn't actually get up and, and do something. Uh, but instead he, he realizes that and gets up and does something. But I just think that that 360 pan shot was just so, it communicates so much while saying absolutely nothing. Um, and it is a patient shot that like you have to kind of be there with. If you were someone who wasn't really into Ugh. it, I can absolutely understand you like watching. It's like, Oh, why are they taking so long? But like at the same time, it's, it's absolutely stunning and very meaningful in an, in its own right. Um, but I thought like that is just one of the scenes to me that was like, okay, yeah, like this, this guy is, gotta get his stuff together <laughs> real bad mm -hmm. even though he still doesn't after that he, he gets one thing together by getting up and leaving um <laughs> oh my gosh and they, it, like, they don't even cut to like oh he he's crawling okay now let's cut to him at his sword it's no we have oh, to yeah, watch yeah. him crawl the full like 20 feet <laughs> like just struggling to get there and uh no it, yeah that like uh, like i said earlier i think on first watch i was just like come on <laughs> can we just get there um but this one i was much more patient yeah that's just one of my favorite scenes uh, of the movie but that's that's even before we get into the lady and lord but i i mean we feel like we've covered a lot of ground here is there anything in particular that any, anyone feels like they need to to pull out there's one more thing i want to talk about um I want to agree with you really yeah. quick that that scene is brilliant. Yes. Um, that, that scene is also, uh, it is, a, it is an actual one take shot. So there's there, that camera is actually doing that and they swapped his body out with a skeleton. So that's a real skeleton. Not like a, maybe not a real skeleton, <laughs> it's a prop, but you know, a real, a dead, real dead body. Whoa. <laughs> 
but yeah, no, that was actually one shot that they took. So as the camera pans away and does the full 360, they he they moved him out and put in that prop of that skeleton. And that bug that crawls through the eye in that moment is freaking real. Mm. <laughs> That's like one of those movie magic things where they were like, well, we can't not use this, this now take, because yeah. that bug just crawls through the eye at that one scene. That was all real. The only thing they added to that shot was the, which is another thing to talk about. If you notice when it pans around and it zooms in on him being dead, the, the environment around him is the opposite of dead. It's almost yeah. like an inversion because the environment mm. around him has now become beautiful and green. It's like nurturing um, the soil. And I, yeah. yeah. And I think, I think that also connects to um, the lady's whole monologue, which is another yep. one yeah. of my favorite scenes where she's talking about how green is such an interesting color. Why green? Well, it's because green is like the symbol of life, but it's also death because it's what comes after. So, uh, after he potentially dies, the green comes in and that we see that, but then we now get context for it later during that mm -hmm. monologue. There's so much freaking stuff in this movie that you could break down. It's just like, dude, they needed to chill out, but they didn't like every scene's important. Every scene matters, at least in my opinion. So yeah, totally agreed. My, my, ugh, I, I know that it's cheap to say, but like, just the ending eight minutes uh, yeah. and uh, basically I, I know that like the, the cutaway is, is important, but any time he was there at the cathedral was awesome. And, and mm. seeing the first time when he keeps like, like flinching and it's like, wait, 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 wait. Like, I'm not, re I'm not ready. I'm not ready. But the, the scene where he like, he's like, okay, wait, 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 pause. And, but this time he's accepted and he takes off the belt. It's just like, yeah. like I, I was melting in my eyes <laughs> watching it. And it, I was just like, this is so, so good. And yeah. um, to you, you could cut this if you want, whatever. Uh, but like uh, to speak to my my nerdum, like it um, immediately points back to uh, uh, it, there's I forget where it is, but it's, there's a scripture that says like um, it, for anyone who wants to keep their life will lose it but anybody who is willing to lose their life for my sake will find it and i just kept thinking about that i was like he that's him like he he want wants so badly to hold on to what he wants and like that that belt even like kind of is his way of holding on mm -hmm. to life but when he was willing to let go that's when he was able to like actually live you know like and and be what he always wanted to be and i was just like oh this is such a good scene <laughs> it's so good totally yeah no truly Kenny could not agree more, Doolin. Um, I don't know if there's a favorite scene, but I have a question for because for, there's something I I don't know what 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 happened there. But what is the deal with the fox? Um, like who is the fox? I have another question well, about yeah, what is the that, deal with something, so, not the fox. <laughs> okay, well I've got I've got some some stuff about the fox. I think um, I personally believe that the fox is the mother. Uh, oh, the mother. For mm. me, for me, for me, I feel like the mother pops up multiple times. So, with the scene in the beginning when they all have the bands over their heads when they're doing the ritual, the witches. Uh, later inside the house of the Lord and the Lady, uh, there's that older woman with the band over her eyes mm -hmm. in the same fashion. Um, I believe that to be the mother spying on him because she's like, literally there's like that scene where he's just like in the bedroom and she's just like yeah. watching him and he like looks <laughs> at her. He looks at her almost in like a familiarity 
but also like unsettling at the same time. And I think that's because it's his mother literally just like making sure that this goes on. Okay. But that's why I also think that she's the Fox because the Fox right before he even gets to the cathedral is basically like, dude, get out of here, run away because she didn't actually want him to like actually do this. She wanted him to get the glory without the follow-up in my opinion like this is what i see because why else would she give him the belt why else would she give him the out Mm. to cheat the whole thing you know she says she's a real helicopter parent yeah seriously so she's literally she's literally telling him to walk away to not do this uh it's like she that was her like last attempt in my in my personal opinion um because she doesn't want to lose her son i Mm. i think that she's afraid that he might actually do the right thing at this point um, he still has the belt on right now, but uh, who's to say that he's going to take it off at that moment? Yeah, I mean, she you know, because she's been with him the whole time. She was so. very clear to not take it off. She was like, yeah, she's like, as yeah. long as you wear this. Yeah, and that makes sense because, like, throughout so many points in his journey, like his ma- his axe just magically reappears in the in the yes. cabin. The 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 hunter's wife magically just has that green sash again, like the. the it kind of helps that thinking of that helps kind of bring along uh meld the idea of like what all these kind of like strange things that happened that don't really make logical mm-hmm. sense like oh well, yeah like his horse being there at the end yes mm-hmm. just yep. waiting just, for him when he runs away being ready yeah it's probably just his mom just dang probably yeah. yep she's Helicopter, like she's you know? like dude i'm gonna make it as easy for you as possible you already got the glory okay <laughs> you can go do this journey but you don't actually have to go there nobody's gonna be scripting nobody's gonna be filming you out here at the green cathedral like you could make this journey you could walk back you'll get all the glory you'll be totally fine you could tell everybody that it happened oh. you know it's like and he chooses not to do that so it's like i i love it i i love it so much i think it's perfect but that's so, my interpretation of that scene sam here's a deeper question for you do you think she is as evil as she is an arthurian legend because if we think about this logically not like putting emotions into it like oh she's a mom who loves her son she gains a lot from him coming home yes like he can get the crown and she basically has control over everything once yes, King she's dead. Yep, totally. Yeah. No, so it is it is that's what I'm saying is like he like David Lowry kept a lot of that Arthurian legend because she in my opinion wants him to return. Now he is uh the nephew of King Arthur, right? She's waiting mm-hmm. for King Arthur to die. She wants him to step up. She wants him to have that glory though so that he's an actual viable suitor for the throne. Like she's literally planning this politically in my opinion because then at that end scene when everybody is standing behind him on that throne in the alternate reality, she is right beside him and yep. she is the last person to walk away. Yeah. She was right there, right by him. It, his wife and child leave before him. I'm yeah, sorry, before yeah, yeah. his mother, his mother, like she is, she is right there um, because she, I think she literally wanted this to be the reality. She wanted that to be what happens she wanted him to wear the belt to never die to be a supreme ruler of the land right so i don't know i just i think that there is so much to deem from that because i think that's just more of uh david lowry being like this is what you know but it's also different um but he still kept the magic of arthurian legend in there i have gained a lot from this conversation and i i really <laughs> i'm serious i really appreciate it it is is it go is it is it going up from a four to a four yeah, and a half know, no, it might be though and <laughs> i've said this before a lot on the podcast that like there are movies that 
you know, I'm not. I wouldn't say I didn't get the Green Knight. Like, I think I got yeah the bulk of what it was trying did, yeah. to say. But like, there are elements of it that I didn't get. And when a movie not only a allows you to kind of think about things after the fact, where it doesn't like make things clear as day. I love that. I love when I can have these discussions with my friends or on internet forums, whatever it may be, about things that the movie means because it's not just so plain and simple. But then, yeah, I mean, this is all stuff that like I didn't even I didn't even clock on the first round through. Um and or, or maybe at least I had questions about them. Like I I saw them happening, of course, but I was like, "Why what does that mean? Why did that mm. happen?" And yeah, explaining them when they they make not only those moments make more sense, but in context, the entire movie makes more sense when you're putting these pieces together that, yeah, I mean, it really does. And I'm not afraid to not that I'm I'm not necessarily going to raise my ranking without watching it again. But I mean, I've had this discussion plenty of times where, like, I'm not afraid to, like, have a ranking that then drops or is raised by people revealing things to me that I missed. Like, there are plenty of movies. Like, I'm not I'm not an expert at this stuff. I'm not going to get everything first round. So. A lot of times people be like, oh, did you catch them? Like, oh, no, that sucks. Like, that's really, you're right. That's, man, I didn't even, I was too blinded by the musical song happening or whatever that I didn't get this or, or this was great and you missed that, Max. And I think it's, it's really just a testament to these movies that kind of just give more room to conversation. Um, and they're, they're some of my favorites for sure. Same. Yeah. A movie like this just like, it like requires conversation, it requires like deeper reflection because, no one person's going to be able to just like interpret the movie, you know, or catch everything. So I think it's one of the things I, I also really, really appreciate, appreciate about this movie, especially being able to put it into like a genre film that is like accessible and just like feels like, uh, um, familiar, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. a lot of these other, a lot of these, like, you know, at least the word pretentious movies aren't right. They can often feel cold or uninviting, mm-hmm. but like this, like, coming into this movie is like, oh, okay, Arthurian legend, fantasy, I, I know what this is. And then, but then you get that extra layer of like weirdness mm-hmm. and extra depth and nuance. Like it becomes something much more. So the one scene that I need some farther context on, uh, because it's cool as f- but I don't <laughs> understand if there's more to it that I'm not understanding, but like, what is the deal with the giants? They're so cool, but like, was there more to it that I'm missing? Or was it just kind of the world being like, hey man, this shit's dope. Like, look at these giants. They're really yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fantasy movie. And I'm like, you're right, it is. But like, I don't really, is there, is there more that I'm missing there? So I I do have an answer, but I don't want to be the one to be like I've got an answer to every <laughs> no, single no, no, one of these questions. Ahead. So um, if somebody else would like to go first, if somebody else would like to go first, my my un, my uneducated guess is that it's like him kind of taking like again being like spoiled kid. Everything on this journey is being provided for him is him taking like easy way on the journey to like kitchen a ride with someone to to get where he needs to go in a very convenient fashion, you know. Um, that that'd probably be what I would guess. Yeah, uh, your uneducated guess, in my opinion, is spot on. Um, I saw it as another opportunity for Galwin to essentially cheat the game because he's asking for a ride with them, right? So he's like, "Hey, yo, why would I walk if I could just mm. <laughs> ride on one of your shoulders 
get there way faster. It's like, dude, this guy is always thinking of freaking ways to like make this process hey, easier or not do the hard thing. Work smarter, um, not harder. You know? <laughs> that's Godwin's like motto. Yeah, I do. I do truly believe that that's like the the main significance okay. of that scene. I don't know if there's anything more there. I will say I love his world so much. I do the, too. It's so cool. I love the way that he sees the giants. Very Attack on Titan, which yeah, I'm a huge uh, fan of Attack on Titan as well, but I just thought they were perfect. And dude, the budget on this film, if you look at the freaking budget on this film, and, and this movie looks so flipping good. You guys are never going to guess the budget on this film. Uh, Eight million. And it, okay, uh, higher than that. Okay. A little higher Wait, than that. <laughs> that's Danielle like, always that's does like the same insanely thing. low. Okay. She, my wife always it's does low. the same thing, where she's like, you're never going to guess this. So then obviously I <laughs> guess it like appropriate to the way she's acting. And then she's like, Max, why did you... No, of course yeah. not. It's got okay. Uh, twenty five million. I don't know. That's too high. So okay. see, there you go. It's yeah. real low. Like it's fifteen million. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. insane. Like if yeah, you're if crazy. you're gonna look at other movies that, like for example, if you look at a Marvel film, that's not a really great comparison because they're spending a lot of money on actors. But still, it's like Indiana Jones. Yeah. Sure. Like I mean, you're gonna look at like big blockbuster budget movies and this movie does not look much worse the only thing that animation wise could use some improvement in this film would be the fox yeah there's not anything else though everything else is seamless in my opinion like the I, the green knight looks amazing yeah oh yeah that's because he's mostly practical, practical yeah, i mean yeah. he's mostly mm. practical which is phenomenal i mean he looks amazing yeah but i'm just like the fact that they were able to get that effect with mm -hmm. such a little small budget is just it's so freaking cool, man. I, I'm just so impressed by the whole team behind this movie. To to answer or my own question about the the Giants, I guess like I, I guess I read it that way. I just thought there might be more to it. There uh, might be. I which maybe there's not, but it's such a, a literally large thing where you're just like, This is incredibly cool. What does it mean? Uh, and so I wondered if it just meant well, more, but I think I think ultimately you're right. It's probably just it was cool and another another showing that he's always taken the easy way out, basically. Yeah. Well, Max, I'll, I I have the answer. The answer <laughs> is is that yes, there is a deeper meaning, and the deeper meaning is that uh, later on in that like seven minute sequence when they're in the dream, there's a the the music is just a slowed down version of the Attack on Titan theme song, <laughs> and so it's. See, it's it's showing us that they're actually the the people coming to destroy the the, mm, the city. That makes sense. Oh, can you imagine? <laughs> that oh just a, that That's just a crossover. Sam didn't know he needed. I yeah. Now yeah. I'm like I'm even more in love with this film. <laughs> I've never seen Attack on Titan. No, never, never heard the theme song. It's TV, so you you won't yeah, you right, won't, won't watch it. it. So. I think they have a movie though. No, there is a movie. Too busy watching Promare. Quick, quick note that I want to get through at least before we wrap up mm -hmm. um, is I do want to pay special appreciation to the music really quick because it's so good in my opinion not only is the movie fantastic or the performances or the art or the graphics I think the music and the soundtrack is perfect uh, Bear McCreary's work with this is so freaking good um, I, I literally listen to this music often. I actually listen to the soundtrack, including a lot of other fantasy stuff when I play Imperium. So that's funny, but just a <laughs> note. Uh, I know, dude, it's all it's all connected. That's right. Um, <laughs> it's in the but, Sam um, Cinematic Universe. 
<laughs> I recently learned to play um Bloom Bloom Sweet Lily Flower on piano because I am convinced that I want to sing to my child a medieval lullaby because I think that scene <laughs> I mean I just think it's such a beautiful little like song that he made. Mm -hmm. I I love it. It's so good. I mean the whole soundtrack is phenomenal. That that whole sequence at the end is built because of the soundtrack as well mm -hmm. it's not just the imagery or the story but the soundtrack makes that that scene as well so just so good dude. so are you naming your child gawain or something <laughs> uh appropriately arthurian uh, we've we've thrown in gawain as a uh it's a little a tricky <laughs> we've thrown i've i've mentioned it kind of as a joke to my wife and she'd just be like no but... <laughs> look, at the, look at the character look at the character of go do we want to name our child after this i'm like it shows it shows though that that they can surpass Persevere. all of their yeah, yeah they can surpass they could do the honorable thing no but i no, probably not but i've thought about it <laughs> that's a very insightful conversation thank you all for bringing your uh really expertise good. to the film uh, I think that was that was fantastic. Uh, we've we've said what we think about it. We've said most of our favorite scenes. I, I think at this point in time, it's just another glowing recommendation from the four of us to check this mm. movie out. Um, no telling if it will be for you or not, but I do think that if you give it uh, if you give it your attention and try uh, to kind of be engrossed in it, I think it's very a very good movie, um, and it just might win you over it like it did us as well. So. Sam, uh, take a quick moment. Shout yourself out. Where can people find you? What do you do? What do you like? You can share anything you want. You want to tell us your Qdoba order? You want to tell us your five favorite movies of all time? <laughs> uh, anything you want to share? Share, share it with us. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. It's revolving around board gaming. And I do mostly root stuff, but also lots of other games. Um, I'm doing more just like preview videos nowadays. And there's a lot of stuff to come in this year. It's going to be a little different with uh, paternity leave coming up, but I've got some stuff planned for paternity leave specifically. So very, very excited. Um, but yeah, um, movie recommendations really, really quick. If you know, there's other people out here that are, you know, movie fans, I would highly recommend you watch the arrival. Fantastic. Mr. Fox. So good. Mad Max Fury road. Um, oh. It's brilliant. <laughs> One of my favorites of all time. <laughs> it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant movie. And um, the best trilogy of all time, The Lord of the Rings. So mm. I highly recommend all of those films. Mm, Sam. You want to come to Kentucky and watch Furiosa with us? Yes, I do. I am yeah. so excited. <laughs> Sam, I feel like I have to ask you this question just because the company in the room here. Are you a La La Land fan or not? A huge fan of La La Land. Let's go! Ending the podcast right there. Thanks, Sam, for coming on to the show. This was the episode on Green Knight. Board Game Box Office. Leave us a review wherever you want. Go find Sam at Lord of the Board on YouTube. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. And we'll see you next week. And someone else needs to say let's get out of here because Kyle's not here. Let's get out of here. <laughs>